is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Jawar Jordan hits the hole off right tackle. Jordan, here he goes. This place is going to rock. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Missouri still trying to get set from the end zone. Cook throws wide. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Here's King from the pocket, flush to his right with six, five, going to loop it downfield, and ball is caught! Touchdown, Georgia Tech! With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary holds it in. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. They pitch it left. Williams goes down. And USC wins the game in triple overtime. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Trey Benson off to the races. One guy to beat. High stepping. He got smoked for the Hokies. Touchdown. 85 yards. Now here's Paul Catalina. Welcome in, 365 Sports. It's Friday. That means Paul Catalina and Garrett Ross. And Garrett, I'm sorry you weren't here yesterday to defend yourself, but you got a lot of smoke on your I did. 10 and 20 record. Well, look, it's it's uh, I think it's deserving at this point. I'll take all the smoke. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I am standing before you as a man who turned off the West Virginia-Houston game to watch shows with his wife. Oh. And then, you know, started like following along. Okay, well, this one's over. And then missed the end, but went back and saw it. That's fair. I, I, uh, I it, Garrett, I'm, just go ahead. But I'm going to tell you, here is my reaction. No, that was uh, I. I got to be honest. I was going back and forth myself on that game. It was the opening night for the Stars, so I was fully dialed in on hockey. Uh, but once I got on, t- uh, oh, it was on Twitter, and I saw the score, and I jumped over and started flipping back and forth. That fourth quarter was completely insane. Uh, for you to have four lead changes there, the way Houston was able to win, the, the penalty really cost West Virginia. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's one where we see that that kind of situation unfold a lot throughout college football, and it doesn't impact 95% of the games. That's the 1% where every coach can, can go and draw up and dial to and say this is exactly why we can't have these costly penalties. Yeah. Um, it was brutal. I think that Donovan Smith – to me, played arguably his best game of the year. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the stat line, threw for four touchdowns, no interceptions. I, and I was wondering, like, is that a situation where 
maybe Dana's looking at Garrett Green's struggles uh, through the air and be like, yo, Donovan, like you've got to be the better passing quarterback in this situation, man, or you might need to hit the portal or something because we can't afford you yeah. costing us on this one. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, that was that was so – and look, that, it was tipped up in the air. It was It was exactly like when you see it just watching as – Every Hail Mary that's almost ever worked. Right. Aside from the first one, the the Drew Pearson one. The original. The original, which Minnesota wasn't ready for because it didn't exist. Um, other than that one, um, it's like a tip ball and, you know, um, it goes around. I mm-hmm. mean, so, I don't like, I say that, and there was a Hail Mary at the end of the Georgia Tech game last week, and it just smoothly hit. The receiver in stride, right. um, you know, uh, Doug Flutie to Phelan uh, wasn't tipped. I mean, it was just like jumped up and got it in the end zone. So, but that was an absolutely crazy finish last night. Doesn't change my mind about uh, Neil Brown not be, t- being taken off the hot seat because no. weird endings happen. But he's going to be kicking himself for how that one ended uh, for a while because they to come all the way back and score with twelve seconds. And then to they should like Houston should have never even had a shot at that. They should have never even had a shot at a fifty yard four. It was a forty nine. So like they're on the other like within twelve seconds, they're on the other side of the fifty. You know, like you can't let that happen. You just cannot let that happen. No, you can't. But I think Houston ultimately did a good job of coming in and identify. I think their game plan they drew up was pretty impressive. Like saying, look. We're not going to let C.J. Donaldson beat us. They held him under 100 yards rushing on the ground. They forced Garrett Green to beat him, or really to use his feet, ultimately, because he wasn't getting much going through the air. And really, a lot of his throws, man, like he has no velocity whatsoever. And he, so it's just a lot of questionable pass choices, I would mm-hmm. say, that he made. He, he's, yeah. he's, you can definitely tell he's a lot better on the ground. But, no, I think overall, man, Houston did an excellent job of eliminating C.J. Donaldson. I think that kind of caught West Virginia off guard a little bit and you kind of I know it this game in general comes as a shock to most people but I I remember prior to the year when the schedules came out Jack and I were doing our preseason like projections for every team and uh, I remember telling him like you really think Dana's gonna lose to West Virginia you know and and then but as the season progressed and the way West Virginia was playing and Houston struggling like there was no way in hell Houston was supposed to win that game so I I just to me like was that one where I you think, think Hogue, that ultimately saved Hogo's job. I don't. I don't think so because I don't think he was really in danger. I think we've talked to Chris Pesman a lot. Yeah, on the show, and um, he doesn't want to fire Dana Holger. So no. most most ads don't want like contrary to what you think. The ad is not sitting around and going, "Gosh, I hope you know." I hope my coach Mel Tucker's his way out of this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I don't think that that's the case. Um, I think. They want Dana Holgerson to succeed. I do think that Chris Pesman is a reasonable person. Oh, absolutely. And I do think yes. that there are there need to be reasonable expectations on all four teams in the first year in the Big Twelve. Like you cannot um you can get some new recruits over the, the last couple of years saying like, hey, you're gonna be able to play in the Big Twelve, you're gonna be able to play in the Big Twelve. But that doesn't mean that your whole roster can is ready for that weekend right. and week out. Um just like look Oklahoma and Tech, like Oklahoma and Texas, look like they're set up to move to the SEC. But we'll also see like where when they like when they played Georgia for the first time, 
you know, and then have to turn around and play Alabama in two weeks and LSU two weeks after that. Like, we'll see if their roster, you know, and you may be talking about a nine and three year, but it might be a nine and three year that would have been 11 one year in a different conference that's not quite as deep at that moment, right? Right. So, yeah, there's there's growing pains for the for the new four. There will probably be less growing pains for the pack four because they're in a league that's similar. Well, they're already and, power, yeah. And, and they're already in a good league, right? I mean, this year's the – now – only, um, you know, two of the four teams are experiencing the good right now. The others are, the other two are kind of varying degrees, although Arizona looks like they're getting better. Yeah. Um, and, and Arizona State, I do think, is going to be good in the league. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's going to be that. So, like, that, I think you have to have that expectation of, yeah, they were going to get raided a little bit. You know, not having Ultimate Caskill, even though it's just one guy, is really huge because... When you have a Donovan Smith who has one weakness, honestly, he has one weakness. It is he turns the ball over a lot. And it's a terrible weakness. It's the worst weakness a quarterback can have. Yeah. You'd rather him have less of an arm and turn the ball over less than have the rocket that's attached to his shoulder and turn it over as much as he does. But if you have an ultimate Caskill back there, you can take a lot of pressure off him because that's a guy who is who's good everywhere he's going to go, right? Yeah. And so I think you have to have some reasonable expectations. Now, based on last year and then this year and the up and down nature, I think there's going to come a a crossroads for Dana Holgerson at Houston. I just don't think it's going to be this year because what are you doing if you're Houston? Like, you know, like you uh, – I think you need to navigate through – not only the twelve team Big Twelve this year, the fourteen team twelve this Big Twelve this year, but the sixteen team Big Twelve next year, and see where you really are measuring up before making of it like our coaches deficient compared to this. In my opinion, and look, they're three and three right now. They would be two and four. Like I think you you know that Dana Holgerson will find their way through this. I also think it says something having a coach in place who understands the hardship of bringing in a program and making that transition to the Big 12 like he did at West Virginia. Um, I think obviously West Virginia was in a better position when they came into the Big 12 than what Houston was. But at the same time, I think having somebody who knows how to navigate that, who is, has been able to kind of balance out the ebbs and flows that goes with the that transition helps, and that probably helps give Dana a pass too. Uh, but I also think you're going to see what what can they do in the transfer portal after having a year under their belt. Now that they've got a full display of film showing this is where we're deficient in all these areas and the adjustments we need to, to make, how many Houston kids are they going to be able to grab in the transfer portal heading into next season or recruits like you got a Matthew Golden? Like Matthew Golden is an elite prospect yeah. that could play anywhere in the nation – but you were able to get uh, get him and, and hold him tight. I think finding that balance and being able to do that, I'm really interested to see how they build off this season. But as far as like Dana goes, I think it's it's good to bring up the point that while the struggles are there, they're there for a reason. He actually knows how to navigate that. Whereas if you hire a new coach off the streets, or not necessarily off the streets, but say you grab like a Jeff Trailer per se, because he's always going to be in the mix, right? Yeah, He hasn't navigated that before like there's, he's there's nav- obstacles he's there. navigating it right now in his own exactly league. he's in a new league himself so yeah there's and that team i think people thought they would be better than they were year one now granted frank harris has fought through injuries all year so they weren't exact they're not exactly who they thought they were going to be uh and they're one of the the teams that lost to houston as a matter of fact but 
I I think that if you're Dana Holgerson, if you're Chris Pesman looking at Dana Holgerson going into next year, let's see where you are with the 16-team Big 12. Mm. And one of the things that um, that three three of these schools will be able to do of the new schools, I think one of their recruiting advantages in the portal, you've talked about it being in Houston, is Houston, Orlando, and Cincinnati will be able to pluck the homesick kids. Right, right. The good players. And that is a bigger factor than you would even realize. Because sometimes you look at, oh, look at that four-star guy just went back. Well, why is he going back there? And you're like, well, he's 90 miles away. And he had gone... You know, UCF might get a kid from Penn State because he's from Orlando yeah. and then realizes that uh, when it drifts below 60 degrees, it's a frozen hellscape for him. Or, you know, the kid from Houston might go to Texas and they're just stacked at his position and he can go back home and start at tight end at Houston tomorrow. You know, as opposed to, well, I'm the third guy here. Right. I feel pretty good. I mean, it's a good situation. But there's Jatavian Sanders, and then there's this other, you know, gigantic freak that they found. You know, like, oh, those right. things. Well, I'm just going to go to Houston because I'm going to be back home. You know, that's better for me. They're going to have an advantage, I think, built in that, uh, like, a, a Baylor wouldn't necessarily have, right? Because right. – they're not – I mean, this is not a big area. You know, TCU, maybe a little bit, but – that uh, That's where I was going to go because I think I think SMU having – SMU might have it SMU is definitely going to take advantage of that. Yeah. And I think uh, – I'm glad you brought up TCU because that's where I wanted to go because I feel like TCU is exactly in that same boat. Uh, maybe – well, I would say they're pretty much exactly being in the I mean, Metroplex. Look, yeah, and look, they, they did that this year, right? Yes. They did that with their roster. It's not working out how they thought – but that's what I wanted to see. You got to have the right staff. And like, I, I think that when we get, um, when we look at programs like a Colorado who have gone out and had this max this, this, this roster turnover and they're having some of the success, I think you've got to have the right pieces in place too. And you can't just expect like TCU was trying to do when they brought in all the transfers, like everything's just not going to miss a beat. And we're going to have ever the seamless, uh, transition from last year into this season, they're not. I think it takes the right coaching staff and the right people as well to to kind of build the relationships with those kids because it's just because you live there just and you get the talent back, it's not going to work. You got to put the work in as well. So that's what I'm saying. Like Dana might be in the position where he can grab those Houston kids, but if we're two years into this and his personality and stuff just isn't meshing well and they're not able to take advantage of it you gotta you gotta do something yeah and i'll, I'll still go that dane is in that group of coaches that may just say you know this is this is harder it's even harder now and i'm not i like i'm just not on board like i, I don't want to keep chasing this. i just want to coach ball like there's too much negotiation um now and recruiting is hard enough oh man. yeah it is hard uh it is – I remember when I was a, I was just getting out of high school. I was in my freshman year in college, and I'd gone back home, and I went back uh, to my high school to see our coaches, and my friends and I were there. And one of them asked me, like, hey, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about teaching and coaching. And um, and he said, well, what level do you want to coach on? I said, I said, I don't know. Like, it seems pretty cool to be a college coach. And he said, look. I'm not telling you it's not, but he goes, I did it for four years. And and he wasn't even at a big school. Like he did he was GA, he went to FSU too. He was a GA at Florida State. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for two years. And they, you know, GAs don't have to recruit. They just have to, like, make sure that the recruits get their T-shirts. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know. You're like the camp director. Yeah, exactly. Here, get your T-shirt. Um, I'll give you directions if you, you get lost. Like, you're not, you're, you know, uh, very, unless your GA is, like, like he's there because he was some kind of legend of the program. Right. You know, like, oh, look at our our. Our graduate assistant, it's A.J. McCarron, national championship winning quarterback. Then he might do it. But if it's just a normal GA like this coach was, he's like, yeah, I don't recruit. But he goes, then I got a job at a small college, and we had a recruit. And he, and he said, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. He said, because even then I was 25 years old, and I'm trying to go and convince a 16-year-old kid, like, this is the best decision for his life. And even then, when you're at this small, little, tiny college, there is an a, a amount of, you know, butt-kissing you have to do. He said that if you're not ready for that, like, and from that moment on, like, everything I thought about, like, maybe being a college coach was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. It's not worth it. I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know if, like, there's a point, and, like, now I know, as a 43-year-old man, that I I could not, like... As much as I do think I have a very avuncular and warming personality, there would come a point in my life where I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> See, that, that's where I'm at. Like, it would be fun, I think, for about a year. And then after that, like, not being able to be home and help with the kid. Like, I, I personally could not do it. And then, like, as someone who's covered recruiting, trying to keep up with the the athletes and stay in, it is so um, – it can be frustrating – at times, it's uh, very time-consuming, and you either have to love it and enjoy it, or it's definitely not for you because you're gonna. It, it's a it's a hassle. Yeah, absolutely, it's it's a hassle. So um, I don't know. Like I think, and then you add these other things on it, like transfer you, portal. transfer portal. Before you even talking about paying these kids and getting finding somebody to pay them and all all those things with the way it is and nil. I think there will eventually be a way for coaches and schools to make it easier for them mm -hmm. because, and I think that that's worth it for all sides. And that if you get the schools to stop complaining about it and the coaches stop complaining about it, I would venture to guess that most of their complaints outside of that it exists because it's not going away mm -hmm. are that they can't like, there's this weird nebulous gray area that they can't step into where if they could just say like, yes, as the coach, I will, I would like to oversee the, like, you know, put our university stamp of approval on this INIL fund, this NIL fund, and this NIL fund. But yeah, I don't think it is. And so I do think that Dana Holgerson, when you talk about, okay, I'm recruiting a kid. Now I'm going to live in the transfer portal because I'm Houston mm -hmm. and I'm going to take advantage of that all I want. But I also know that now that I'm in a power five conference, if I really want to take steps forward, if I want to compete in the college football playoff, I'd recruit against college football playoff teams. Well, what do college football playoff teams do? So what's the closest college football playoff team to me? Right now, it's LSU, right? They're the one who's probably going to go more often than not. No offense to A&M. They haven't been there yet. They're closer, but they're, they haven't been there yet. Mm -hmm. And and you let's just say A&M is chasing LSU. So I have to kind of mirror what A&M is doing to chase LSU, to get to where they are. LSU is trying to chase Alabama and Georgia, right? So everybody's kind of mirroring the strategy. Well, if I'm Dana Holgerson, I'm like, well, if I have to spend as much time getting kids paid as these guys do, and I didn't get into coaching to do that, then I'm just going to be done with it. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to bark and say that like, ah, this is don't the get off my lawn thing. Mm. I'm just going to, it's fine. If you feel that way, he's made a bunch of money, walk away. Do you, you know, I think, I think there are, 
There's going to be in the next five years some coaches you see and you go, oh, that guy retired young. Well, yeah, like Bob Stoops did. Do you think from the expectation standpoint around a program like you said, I think we could throw Baylor in there. Or, there's numerous. I, I, honestly, probably 95% of the new Big 12 we could throw in this. Going off of what you were just saying, do coaches everywhere need to approach that? At, like if you're a program like Houston, do you need to approach it with that mindset of like we're chasing LSU or A&M or Texas or whoever? Or do you need to approach it as like we are chasing Texas Tech as the first step, and once we establish like what they have been able to lay the groundwork for, then we can move on, giving the realistic expectations of Houston being in a position to win a national championship are not even – near what per se Texas Techs would be. Yeah. Um I mean I, like I think you do have to have reasonable expectations. Like Alabama can expect to compete every year. Right. Ohio State can expect a to handful. Compete, compete every year, right? There's going to be a handful. And I I actually think that that handful even then when you go in these bigger conferences, you have to I think look at it in like 3 4 year cycles. Right. Of like how competitive over you are you over time? How many times do you make the playoff over time? Because there, there's going to be more opportunity to make the playoff, but there's also going to be some opportunity to like you might get bumped out of it because now like the the resume building is going to be interesting, and like who's better? Because you know, um, if you're you know the Big Twelve gets two teams in, the ACC gets two teams in, the other two get three in, and then you've got some like random like for mm-hmm. sure. But like you, I don't know. Like it's going to be weird because you're going to like you're measuring your success against this much larger conference. Right. So I think you do have to set expectations. Look for Baylor. I'll just tell you personally, they should not be where they are right now, which is. How did we get here? Yes. They should be in a, a position where seven and five is a reset year, but if you get those right pieces and navigate through, you can do what you did in 2021. Right. But you should, I don't think you should expect to be Alabama because you will never have the resources that they do. But if you make the most of your resources, every year mm. then you'll never be bad you just won't be great no i mean i think that's a good point i think that kind of goes back to uh was it, was it craig talking about resetting the expectations for programs yeah i think a lot of schools need to do that i think a lot of schools need to kind of like reflect in the mirror see where you're at and, and kind of yeah challenge your expectations and no that, that's a good point because not everybody's on the same level playing field unfortunately that's just how this is set up but not so do you think it's going to make it more like with the playoff growing is that going to make it more challenging maybe make nil and stuff more of a emphasis than just the four-team playoff or how do you see that shaking out like from that standpoint i think look i think the 12-team playoff is going to make everything better Right. I think it's going to make it better. So I do think that it'll – I think it'll help reshape expectations because now you're not trying to get to fourth. Exactly. You're trying to get to 12th. Yes. And if you're 13, 14, 15 a couple years in a row, then that's fine because you're right there. So, like, you're not far off from being in that playoff. Now, if your goal is to get to 12th and you're routinely 25th, then – and you can't for a decade get out of that. Right. Uh, then you probably have to make a change, maybe even before then. But I do think that there um, – and I do think that this will – I think we're already seeing it. There's going to be more parity now. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be more parity. It's going to be – like, you're not going to see somebody with a chokehold as long as you will. You're still going to see dynasties, but free agency does this to sports. 
Why we think it's not going to do it to college football, I don't know. But in every single sport, it's done this. Which is why when the Patriots popped up and did what they did, it was like, how are you doing this when all the other, like, how are you navigating through this? How is Tom Brady this good mm-hmm. that all these other teams that have the exact same rules are doing this worse than you? Right. And, and how are you doing it? That's, that's why it was so surprising. Now, you'll see some, like, the Chiefs are in a dynasty right now. They've won two Super Bowls in three years. They're probably going to win another one. I don't know about this year. I think that they this year's team isn't really all that special compared to a, to a year ago. But, you know, they're going to be, like, as long as they have Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be in the discussion. No, that's a really good point. But, like, you, but free agency and those things change sports because – Sometimes you just you can't, you know, you you, you know the salary cap the, and for the NFL it's not even free agency that's changed it because, you know, like it changed it, but like the salary cap certainly does. Now college football is not going to have a salary cap, but they'll still have free agency, right? You know, in 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 the transfer portal. So the fact that, you know, I I can't I don't have to sit and wait anymore. If I'm a player. That's going to affect it. So that means that, you know, Alabama can't just. Well, we're seeing it with them. Yeah. You can't just like they've had years where they've lost the left guard and the, and the, and the right guard to ACL tears. And if nobody had told you their names, you wouldn't know because they would just replace them with two other guys who are going to be NFL a year after they are. That's not necessarily they're still going to get great players, but they can't hoard them. But they're also like now those guys are freshmen as opposed to like, okay, you lost your senior left guard. You're replacing him with a freshman now because the sophomore you had, the redshirt sophomore you had left because he wasn't starting and wasn't going to start for two years. Right. So now you've lost experience there. So your team's beatable, uh, more beatable now as opposed to holy bleep, we've got to play Alabama right. this week. <laughs> it's, well, we got to play Alabama. It's going to be tough. But, I, you know, if things break our way, it could, it could work out for us. So I think that's what's changed uh, the most part. All right. One of the most interesting games this week and I, I, is USC Notre Dame. And it's because it's at home for Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is favored in this game, even though they don't have near the offense. USC's defense is clearly that bad. And they've been playing that way down the stretch. We are going to have... I've got to I've got to pull up his name so I can pronounce it the right way. Jamie Umiyama Uiyama on the show next from Irish Sports Daily, and Jamie's going to take us through that game and why Notre Dame is favored and what their advantages are. That's coming up next. This is three sixty five Sports. Some say a dog is man's best friend, but I tell you what, boys, you better. to Rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue. Next in line. During Jeep Adventure Day, say big on 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee Limited with values up to $5,500 or 10% off MSRP on new Jeep Gladiators on all trim levels or 10% off MSRP on a new Jeep Compass at Allen Samuels in Waco. 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Welcome back. 365 Sports. Jamie Uyama joins us now from Irish Sports Daily. And Jamie... Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I was not like totally surprised, but I was a little bit surprised to see Notre Dame as the favorite this week, given you know the last couple weeks for them has been a little little bit up and down. But they are at home. USC has been struggling. Where do you think that the the breakthrough will be for the Irish on offense versus this USC defense that has been um, woeful the last couple of weeks, if not for the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it's, the main thing with them is they just give up so many explosive plays, um, and it's, it's, it's a constant thing. Like they they haven't really played a lot of tough uh, offense so far this year, and um, they just they struggle with tackle. They they give up a ton of bucks in coverage, and really the really the only thing that they do well is 
um, you know, they cause some dis- disruption up front with, uh, you know, they have, they have a pretty good D-line and pretty good pass rush, but the secondary is uh, a serious issue, and I think it's just there, there are plays to be had there because um, they just make too many mental errors. There's obviously um, a, a coaching issue there with um, – uh, what, what they, what they're doing on defense, cause it's been, it's been a constant. Um, and it's just something where Notre Dame really kind of just has to kind of be competent, really. And they're going to be able to create plays because they just don't play good fundamental defense within the team. And it, it's really not a thing of a lack of athletes with them. They have a ton of great athletes. Uh, but they're, you know, they, they make too many mistakes. And the other thing is that they're they're really down a corner. They they're we're down to the fourth and fifth corner against Arizona. So um, I think that's kind of like the big thing where Notre Dame's getting healthier at, at receiver, and um, USC is you know getting worse at corner in terms of their health. So um, last week against Louisville, what do you chalk that up to? Well, certainly there's uh, been a lot of issues. Uh, in, in terms of you know, like game plan for, for Notre Dame, how they've handled, uh, you know, the loaded boxes that, that Duke certainly gave against them, and then Louisville the same thing. Um, I don't think the, ex- the execution has just been poor uh, for Notre Dame up front. Um, they should just frankly be better. Like they were, they were better even just looking back at the Ohio State game. Um, and Notre Dame just hasn't been good on the road. They haven't handled these like tough. Uh, environment so i think that's another thing that's going to help them quite a bit like they've given up 11 sacks on the road and they've given up zero at home and some of that is the competition but some of that is the fact that you know they they're just been better and they've played more comfortable the offensive line is clearly more comfortable has done a better job handling stuff at home when they haven't had all the crowd noise and, and the environment uh against them so i think some of the stuff is certainly fixable for them, but um, I mean, there's serious questions right now, and it's a, it's a huge game for Jared Parker, Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, because um, there's a ton of heat on, on him right now. How much do you think his game plan is restricted because he doesn't trust the younger receivers? I mean, that's definitely a part of it, right? And, and, and the thing that probably doesn't get talked about enough against Duke, and first of all, Duke has a really good defense. Uh, you know, they're they're one of you know, top 20 defense in the country, certainly. And they had three healthy receivers in that game. And it wasn't like their three best receivers. They were, uh, you know, they, they had a true freshman, a guy who was a converted running back in his sixth game, a receiver. And they had uh, another guy who's a sophomore who, frankly, has been inconsistent at best. Those were their three receivers in that game. And so they're missing, you know, their, their, their top receiver in Jane Thomas, who does a lot more than just being um, – you know, the go-to guy for them, you could use him a lot in the running game in terms of what he can do with motion. With motion. Um, he's almost like an H-back because he's like a big guy. He's like about 6'2", 220. Um, a very versatile guy who can be very heavily involved in the running game. But they didn't have him. They had Jane Greathouse, who's, uh, you know, obviously a kid from Texas who's made an immediate impact to their game. He wasn't available. And they're just kind of thin uh, at receiver period. So, those guys came back for the Louisville game, but you could tell they were both from their passion injuries. Those guys aren't healthy. They're not all the way healthy yet. I think they're going to be a little bit better uh, for this week. Um, 
but still, like they don't, have, they already don't have like a true uh, wide receiver one, a dominant guy. Um, and when you're missing that, and then plus you're, you know, you're injured and you're limited with what you can do personnel-wise and what everyone kind of knows. I mean, that's going to hurt. How do you expect the game to play out? Do you think that Notre Dame will play more of USC's game and, and, and it might get a little more offensive? Or do you think that Notre Dame can, with their very strong defense that, that's been strong for most every game except for the, the second half of the Louisville game, uh, will be able to maybe keep Caleb Williams uh, in the well? Well, I think you got, you got to score points against uh, USC. It's just, it's just the thing because even if you uh, contain Caleb Williams, to do it for 60 minutes, I think it's damn near impossible, right? I, I just don't think you uh, are going to be able to do that. He's just too good of a player. He's one of these guys who just finds a way because he can create so much even when the call isn't right. He can, you know, break out of it and create with his legs, create uh, plays, you know, improvising. He just has that kind of special quality, you know, that Patrick Mahomes type quality that very few quarterbacks have. So, I mean, they have to put points on the board, but I also think they're going to try to limit possession. They're, they're not going to try to, um, you know, killing it all over the yard. One, because of the, you know, receiver situation, they're not the deepest there. But also, um, I just think it suits them more to possess the ball as much as possible. So a, a huge key for them is going to be if they can run the ball, um, you know, possess the ball and kind of keep it away from USC as much as possible. And, if they can turn the ball over and, uh, you know, steal a possession or two. And because that's the thing is that USC's defense has not been able to kind of steal possessions like they did last year. And that's another reason why they kind of haven't looked as good as, as this year. What is the temperature on Sam Hartman right now after, after the struggles last week? Well, I, I think certainly, um, you know, no one is as hyped about him now as yeah. they were. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I think that's fair. Um, you know, even after the Duke game where, you know, he did not play his, his greatest game, he still came through in, in the end. But I, I don't think he, most people aren't pointing the finger at him, I think, uh, which is fair. You know, like, it's not like he hasn't uh, he played well against Louisville, but they're not putting a lot of the lack of success on him. I think that's it's more directed at uh, the play calling, um, the general execution of the offensive line and just um, the the whole uh, talent in general, but the supporting cast in general, that, that he wasn't getting a ton of help. So, I mean, I think people have more of a realistic view of kind of where they're at in, in terms of they, anyone who thought they had expectations that they all of a sudden is they were going to become this wide open offense that was going to, he was going to put up the same kind of numbers that he put up at week four. I don't think that was ever realistic because Notre Dame doesn't quite have that personnel to match that. And really the strength of their team should be offensive line, tight ends, running backs, or they got a loaded backfield. That should be what it's based off of. And that's really what they were in, in, in to begin the season. And they had all that to get, he had the running game, he had the protection, and he looked great. So that's really going to be the key. If, if, he can, if he has that, then he's going to go back to looking like, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the country again. And if he doesn't have that, it's, you know, like most quarterbacks, uh, especially when you don't have uh, elite receivers, you know, you're going to look pretty average. 
Garrett, you got a question? Yeah, Jamie, you mentioned there a couple of times about the roster deficiencies and some of the playmakers uh, that they don't have. And, and obviously, we mentioned the youth along the receiving core. What are some of the big factors or the leading factors going into Notre Dame's struggles in, in getting that high caliber, potent uh, talent in on the roster? Well, really, it's kind of an inherited um, problem from the previous staff from, from when Brian Kelly was there. Uh, the previous wide receiver, Coach Bell Alexander, um, he had some trouble in, in recruiting and they went through a time where, you know, they signed three receivers in, in, in one class, uh, I believe it was 2020 class. None of those guys, one of those guys has played safety now, two of the guys transferred out, right? Um, the 2019 class, they signed two guys there. Those guys didn't last two years. So they had a numbers problem. Um, and then, from that point on, they had to have all these guys kind of hit and, and sign the number of guys that they had. And they just had too many misses there, poor evaluation. Um, and this is, you know, before Marcus Freeman took the job. And, you know, from there, they, uh, in, in Alexander's last year, they signed one receiver. And Notre Dame isn't uh, a program with how they view uh, academics and all that, they're not able to get as many undergraduate transfers to like kind of plug holes. So they try, have to go the graduate transfer route. And then even in this year, they, they signed a, a graduate transfer in Caleb Smith from Virginia Tech. And I mean, he was their leading receiver. He was a solid player in the ACC at the very least. Well, he ends up having a, you know, you know, a really tough spring where all of a sudden he's running through. He quit the team, right? So, that was a guy that they thought was going to start and be their bad receiver, and he ended up splitting the team. So they've just had horrible luck there um, in terms of you know what was there before, and because of the situation that they have with, with uh, being unable to kind of fill gaps in in terms of uh, the transfer portal compared to some of these other programs, they haven't been able to fill them. So that's just kind of where they're at and why they've had to move some other guys um, to that position. And it's not that they, they don't lack talent. They have some guys who are talented there, but they're just very young and inexperienced and they just aren't deep enough. They don't have enough scholarship receivers. How fast do they have to move compared to, I mean, look, the transfer portal, when somebody goes in, you know, it's going to be fast anyway, but when they have to particularly keep their eye on somebody who could fit like, Especially an un, like an undergrad with straight A's that's really good. Like, how fast do they really have to move in that kid when he puts his name in? Oh, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm sure you guys know too, right? That kind of thing is that's almost like big process because you have to have to have evaluated all these kids beforehand, right? So, I think they kind of have to look at um, certainly all the guys that go to kind of similar type FBS programs, like. Uh, the Stanford, the Rices, the Vandys, Northwestern, Duke. If, if you have a guy who's a player there that you think might be in the portal, they have to evaluate that guy because those are guys that might have a chance to actually transfer as an undergraduate to Notre Dame. And then, I mean, really, though, but they have to find as much talent as possible, and then you just you, you can worry about the, the kind of grades that they come. But they, that's the thing. They, they've had some guys who wanted to come to Notre Dame, but they've haven't been able to get in. Um, and it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunately that's part of Notre Dame and Notre Dame wants to, you know, obviously continue to be uh, who they are and, and keep the same identity, 
in terms of what they uh, mean to to be a program that cares so much about academics and graduation rates and stuff and, and all that, and, and it's important to them. Um, and, you know, frankly, I think most alums would say that it should continue to be, but it just puts them in a very, very difficult position um, where I think they might have to be a little bit more lenient uh, I, I, I can't really see because in heading into this offseason, I don't really see how they can not add at least like one or two in, in, in the portal to go along with, um, you know, they have three receivers committed and they're very good, uh, prospects in, in the, you know, the 2024 class. But I mean, are those guys going to be ready to play right away? I mean, you guys know that freshman receivers, it's, it's very hit or miss whether or not these guys are ready to play right away. Now they're either, outstanding to a level that people can't comprehend or they're not ready. Like that's, that's how yeah. it is as freshman receivers. Jamie Uyama from Irish sports daily. Jamie, thank you so much for hopping on the show today. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks so much, guys. All right. There you go. Thanks to Jamie. Next up, Grayson Grudhafer. We'll go through, uh, that the bears out in the road recruiting this week. And Garrett, how do you sell that? After the last, after the last week, I I really don't know. Like I literally saw the graphic go out today, and I thought that exact thought crossed my mind because it's it's difficult, but they're going to have to do it, man. That's why well, you yeah, pay the big bucks, yeah. But like you know, you go, that's just like one of those things. Like, hey, well, this might be like we really need you now. Yeah, like you 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 want to you want to know where a place if you want to feel wanted and needed and fully embraced. <laughs> come on, come on down, come on. All right, when we come back, Grayson Groot here, Sikkim365.com. The right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year aging room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, Don Schumanor in the Talwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. 
Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday, a full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Grayson Grudhey for Sikkim365.com joins us now. And Grayson, the Bears coaching staff on the recruiting trail this week uh, because of the off week, and we'll get to that in a second. But the Texas Tech game was not the follow-up to UCF that um, any Baylor fan would have wanted. Um, it It is now kind of thrust the fan base into more crisis because the, of the worry about where the season is going. What do you think the most important focus before they kick off in Cincinnati should be for this team? I mean, you know, Paul, they, they really got to figure out a lot of things, and that it makes it really tough to pinpoint one thing specifically um, because both sides have been, you know, really inconsistent and honestly, I mean, just really bad at times. You know, you can see flashes here and there, um, but it, it just hasn't been anything consistent. And when you don't have consistency, it leads to results like we saw in the Texas Tech game, the Texas game, the first half of the UCF game. And so they really are going to have to figure out that part. But, I mean, for me, the, the biggest thing here, in order for them to have any consistency on offense or defense, uh, it's going to have to come in the trenches. Um, they are getting beaten badly basically in every single game this year up front on the offensive and defensive line. Um, and that's, that's pretty unacceptable for a team that's kind of built around that, and that's something that they've been wanting to control and dominate over the years since Dave Randa got to Baylor. Um, but I think you saw at the end of last year, they struggled in some regards uh, there, but this year it's been just way worse. I mean, way worse than anyone could have imagined. And, you know, especially on the offensive line. And when you have a team that's identity is to be physical in the trenches and move people up front and you're not moving people, you can see the effect that takes on the entire offense and the entire defense. So that, that's the area they got to figure it out is, you know, it's one of those things where can you figure it out just by playing harder, playing more discipline, 
getting a couple guys back who were hurt, or do you just not have the personnel for that this year? I think we're going to find that out really quickly because Cincinnati is going to challenge Baylor up front. They have a pretty good defensive line, as does Iowa State, as do a couple other teams that they played or play later this year. So that's that's probably the biggest area that I'm going to be looking at. Yeah, they got the Godfather Dante Corleone, uh, who's there, uh, re- ready to you know wreak havoc at any moment uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And um, you know, while Emory Jones is a bit of an adventure, Grayson, he is the kind of adventure that's given Baylor problems in that he's athletic. Yeah, I mean, he can give them some problems in that regard, and and he's gonna he's had games this year where he's flashed. Uh, his, his real problem is he Turnovers. just can't avoid the mistakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He he just makes mistakes. He gives away games. I mean, the the perfect example is the BYU game they played earlier this year. I mean, any stat you look at, you go, wow, Cincinnati should have won this game. But turning the ball over, not scoring when you have opportunities to score, that's kind of been Cincinnati's season. And so, while, yes, they're going to give them some problems up front, I, I think it's, you know, it's a very winnable game for Baylor. And sadly – we're probably going to say that about most games on the schedule going forward outside of a couple. And, and that's really, you know, kind of a weird place to be when you're talking about a two and four team. Um, but it's the reality of the state of the big 12 right now. These teams just really aren't that great. So Grayson on the offensive line, um, I, I think they need to shuffle, like move guys around, maybe get them in different spots. Um, I think, that uh, maybe even put some new starters in. Do you think that is a fair possibility coming up? I think there's a chance of that. The problem with that, Paul, is is that, I mean, just being the reality of the situation is if you're replacing any guy on the offensive line, you're probably going to be replacing them with either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. And that just simply, that is really difficult on the offensive line to ask anyone to do that in their first or second year on campus, unless you're an elite, you know, five-star guy like a Kelvin Banks or something at Texas. Like, it just doesn't normally, you know, work out all that well. But I think they're going to have to try a lot of things because right now what they're doing isn't working. You saw the game against Utah and you kind of thought, okay, this reshuffle looks like it worked. It looks like it paid dividends. And then after that game, it's just everything has fallen flat outside of the game against UCF in which, you know, they're the worst run defense in the Big 12 right now. So, Grayson, they are setting out to hit the road recruiting this week because they that's what you do during your bye week. Uh, who are the targets? Who are they going to see? And um, do, you ex- uh, do you expect any kind of movement or juice anytime soon? I think the biggest thing right now is going out and seeing commit. Um, they're going to go out, see those guys, you know, one, one guy in Mississippi out of St. Joseph there in uh, Greenville, Mississippi, Alex Foster, he got a Texas offer this week. Um, so, you know, they're going to be going out there they, and then pretty much all the commits, whether it's uh, Nate Bennett, Adam Schobel, I think they'll go out and see all of them uh, if they're able to this week. Outside of that, you know, I think the focus is going to be some on the 2024 class, but I think majority of it's going to be on the 2025 classes. They've really been trying to evaluate things. They haven't extended very many offers in 2024 recently as the class is getting, you know, pretty close to full. Um, so you're pretty much trying to lock in all your commits while also just going and seeing, you know, players that are on your radar, maybe guys who have come on visits during the season who you're uh, debating offering, going and seeing their coaches, trying to figure out, you know, if an offer is something they want to, you know, go to. Uh, that's going to be kind of the biggest thing. And then in 2025, you're just trying to do the whole, 
you know, paint the whole picture of kind of the person that they're recruiting. You know what I mean? Going and talking to the coaches, getting to know them, getting to see, you know, different things, whether it's uh, practice fields or getting to see just them as a person with their family and things like that. I think all of that's going to be very, very important uh, because they try to really find out, you know, everything about the prospect before offering. And, and that's kind of one of, in my eyes, one of the special things about this staff is they do go out and they do make a concerted effort to find really, really good players but they also want to find good fits in their program. And I know some people have had an issue with the term person over player because I think they look at it way too literally. Um, but in general, you know, Baylor wants to make sure there's a good match with talent and fit with the program to make sure that, you know, they're able to maximize guys' potentials while also making sure that they're able to retain the guys they want to retain on their roster. Do you foresee a scheme change coming on offense, which would mean you maybe recruit different players? I could see that. You know, I, I think we all got so enamored with the 2021 offense and not necessarily because it was explosive or because it was, you know, anything flashy, but you kind of sat there and you went, man, if this team has a quarterback that can really elevate the talent around them, I mean, you could be looking at a playoff contender, and I, I truly believe that. For as much as I love Gary Bohannon and everything he did for that team that year, he was also very limited, and it cost them in two games, the two games that they lost uh, during that season. And so I, I think that, you know, you kind of saw that. You saw glimpses, the physicality, everything like that. But now, as things have kind of moved to where they're at now, it just it's really hard to have a group that's just dominating in the trenches game after game if you're not creating explosive plays. And they're not creating explosive plays, and they're not dominating in the trenches, which makes you kind of think, hey, you know, maybe it's time with the roster construction that they have right now, then maybe they move on to something else or at least try different things than what they've been doing over the last couple of years. Um, but we'll see. You know, they're going to have an opportunity here to maybe make some shifts and maybe – um, you know, maybe try some different things after the bye week and see how things work. Um, but if things don't work, then, you know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of things that have to be considered this offseason. And the offense is probably up there along with the defense and pretty much everywhere. I mean, this year has not gone the way that I think anyone planned. No, uh, absolutely not. Especially, well, given that the offense that everybody, the high school kids are running, it maybe to me would seem to be a faster transition maybe on some of these guys getting them into – uh, you know, not necessarily – well, I mean, there's lots of different kinds of spread, but a spread-type offense. Yeah, and, I mean, I can see that. You know, a lot of programs in the state of Texas do run something like that, whereas, you know, you look at Baylor right now, and a lot of it is, you know, complex route trees and things like – and being able to block and, and just various things that really cause you to have situations where older guys are playing, even if maybe younger guys are more talented, but they're limited in the things that they can do. And I think we've seen that. And so, yeah, I do think there's some validity, validity to that. Um, but I also think, you know, they should be able to find ways within the construction of their current offense to get the most talented players on the field. I, I just – I truly don't think there's an excuse for it. Grayson Grudehead for Sikkim365.com. Grayson, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. Next up, Josh Neighbors, the Neighborhood Watch. He'll be on Zoom, Garrett. I don't know if I told you that. He's there. I got it. Okay, good deal. All right, he's up next. This is 365 Sports. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. 
but it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick of sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more, all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina. Garrett Ross producing Josh Neighbors, Neighborhood Watch alongside. Before uh, we get to Josh, Super Chat from Houston Cougars, Germany, five euros, which is more than five bucks. My man. Thanks to that strength of the American dollar. Uh, <laughs> Houston needs fewer whiners and fair weather fans. We need more proactive supporters who go to games because that's what fans do. Go Cougs. Uh, so thank you, uh, Houston Cougars, Germany. Danke Shane. Uh, since you are over there uh, in Germany. But uh, Josh, 
joins us now, neighbor to watch Crystal Ball College football. Um, I'm I'm still kind of dealing emotionally with that. I have no dog in the hunt, but the way that Houston West Virginia game ended was bananas. Yeah, uh, I am. I am. I had a dog in the hunt. Uh, my dog <laughs> did not hunt. Um, that, is, that is a problem with that. Yeah. So I had West Virginia minus two and a half. Uh, felt pretty good about it there. Honestly, like numbers wise, like I was on the right side of that game. So I actually feel pretty good about it. I mean, I, like, I don't know how Houston Cougars fans feel better about Dana Holgerson after that game. I will say this. Donovan Smith has been so up and down. even saw it in the game. He was he was ripping that ball all over the place, and I know that West Virginia secondary has taken some big hits in terms of personnel and who's available, and whatnot. But um, I was really impressed, and you know, I, mean, I was impressed at times by both teams. Dana at the end of the game, playing not to lose, like really, your quarterback has not missed. A, I don't think he missed the throw the entire second half, and they decided to run the ball and punt it back. It's like. Your defense sucks. You, you know your defense sucks. They've been moving the ball all day on you. Really, the only stop you got was one punt, and then you got the interception in the end zone, which would have, was really a touchdown. And I, so I don't get that. But Donovan Smith, you know, the the Manchek tipping him back up, and then uh, and then Johnson, you know, coming through with the catch and look like I know he and his and his dad's pretty active on social media. Like we're pretty frustrated with what happened in Oklahoma State. A lot of people were. But he has not played particularly awesome so far at Houston. He had a massive game, obviously, the catch right there, too, but he had another touchdown as well. So Houston needed this game. Dana Holgerson needed this game. And now they feel a little bit better about life as they head towards the Texas game next week. Yeah. Donovan Smith, 21-27, 253, and four touchdowns. And, of course, uh, that uh, that last one was spectacular. Yeah, I, I, I think, though, Josh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, Garrett and I did, that there's got to be at least four, especially the new four, with the new conference I know that, you know, Houston fans might be up and down on Dana Holgerson, but I do think you need to, like, there needs to be some research, you know, like some actual numbers and find out where you're deficient compared to the new league and even the newer new league after that before you get, like, rash and decide that Dana Holgerson's not the guy anymore. Yeah, so I am with that a bit, but also at the same time, too, like, Dana Holgerson's teams have not changed. Like, the Rice game is just a complete – I mean, you had – I forget who it was after the game uh, saying, like, yeah, did we just – like, we took them – we did not take them seriously. And that cannot happen. I just – and even see it like, okay, the first half against Texas Tech, they're, you know, they're, they're banging with them, they're scoring with them. Second half, things go completely quiet for you. That can't be the way things go for, for Houston football, and especially because – Think about the new four schools. Like UCF is the best job out of the four just because of the location. But Houston is probably number two in terms of location. I know Cincinnati is a good spot, but think about like Houston is the fourth largest American city, right? The yeah. media market, every city. But like the number of players on on SEC rosters from places like Missouri City, right, yeah. and, and even Houston and Louisiana is right next door. There's a lot of uh, you know Astros fans, Louisiana, you know the LSU fans, and all you know kind of just big picture of area. Like that's a really good job. For the same reasons that Houston is or UCF is a good job. So, you know, I, I'm not saying Houston like they have to you know that they they have to be patient. Uh, and they they have a little reason to, I think to push a little bit. But I, just when it comes to Dana, I feel like he's a specific case because like I kind of feel like Dana is not 
He's an air raid coach. And like air raid yeah. coaches don't really evolve. I actually think Doug Belk is not is not too bad. Like the, the personnel they have, they try to beef it up. And at times the defense does look good. And I know they made a change. I forgot the kid's name. They made a change last night in defensive line. They did get some pressure at some times. But um that that's a work in progress. But yeah, I mean, it's just Dana's kind of Dana at this point. I don't really know if if he's bringing what Houston needs to be successful in the Big 12, even though he's got Big 12 experience. Yeah, I, I think that you're uh, – I mean, like, we'll see. I mean, again, we'll see. I, I think that you do have to – I think everybody needs to, like, cool out before they start changing coaches. But Houston's going to have advantages that, you know, other schools just don't because they're – in Houston, and they're going to get, yeah. we talked about earlier, they're going to get the homesick kids out of the portal. They want to come back to Houston. And so they've got that advantage, but they, they need to strike while the iron's hot. Um, elsewhere in the Big 12, this is, I don't like, you know, this is a big bye week. You know, there's, there's, there's several teams on bye, but um, for BYU and TCU and Kansas State and Texas Tech in particular, these are two games that, um, could be season turners uh, for everybody involved in, in different in different regards. Let's start with BYU and TCU. The Horn Frogs feel to me that they're they're warding off a free fall right now, and BYU could come in and take advantage of that. Yes. So people and, and I look the spread and I, and I I get it. Like I so I understand why it's six. TCU's team is much more talented than BYU's. Mm-hmm. BYU number, like, if you go and look at the way they were playing in some of these games, they did not outplay Arkansas. They did not outplay Cincinnati for a large stretch of that game. They did not outplay Kansas. And the only thing in the other games, they had, like, uh, Southern Utah, right, and then uh, um, Steve F. Austin, which was – or Steve F. Austin. Sam Houston, 14 nothing. They did not play well in that game. But I will say this. They are very opportunistic. And that's bad news for TCU because that's the kind of team that, that can beat them. West Virginia did the very same thing to them when they played them a couple weeks ago. I will say this. I'm wondering what happens when a team like this spreads out BYU. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to go particularly well. But, I mean, the quarterback thing is a huge problem for TCU right now. I will say the one thing about TCU, this is not being talked about because they're not playing well, Imani Bailey is having a monster season so yes. far. Yeah, he's fantastic. They, do, they, they, might, they maybe should get, do the Kendra Miller experience and maybe run that thing 30 times tomorrow. I mean, I think that might be the, uh, uh, that I, might be the thing you need. I've seen Kendall Bryles do it before. Nobody talks oh, about it. Forget he has the running back? Yeah. No, no, no. Like, run. Like, like I'll, the, uh, the game they beat UCLA in the Holiday Bowl, they threw the ball like 12 times. I mean, they just ran, 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 ran. Uh, he was right. the one who came up with the plan when they didn't have quarterbacks and won the game uh, in Orlando, the, whatever, the Camping World Bowl or whatever it was that year. I don't know. That, that one changes sponsors quite a bit. But uh, he's the one who did that. So, um, you know, he. I do think that the pressure to go fast in that offense and the way that they practice, um, maybe sometimes you just can't do that with the guys that you have. I think particularly with their offensive line, talking to Steven Simcox about it uh, on the show uh, on, on, on triple option the other day uh, on, on my, my earlier show, Josh was uh, it was like, maybe they just don't have the linemen to do that right now to go as fast as, as KB wants to go. Yeah. It's, it's interesting living in Arkansas now, you know, the, the Kendall Bryles debate is like a really weird one because Arkansas, I mean, they have Daninos now and like they, their offense really just, it kind of needs some Kendall Bryles in it. 
But, you know, sometimes it kind of Browns offense needs a little bit more Danny Mose in it. And I mean, like, in a good way, like, he's, sometimes you do need to slow things down. I think Texas Tech, you and I talked about them last week. They did a great job of that last week against Baylor, right? Like, there was still a lot of pace in that, but, like, their commitment to running the football was definitely there. Um, you know, I think TCU can really slow down BYU. I actually don't know if that's going to be – they have to be locked in if they're, they're going to do that. But, like, focused defenses can kind of hold back the BYU offense for stretches of time. The thing you can't do is just, like, you need to be better on special teams than them. You cannot give them short fields. They cash in short fields, it feels like, you know, like really often. Um, they don't get to the quarterback a ton, I believe. So the one thing is you might have a good chance of having Josh – I believe Josh Hoover's playing – uh, you know, letting him have some time. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, like, as good as BYU is, and I hate to, to be like this, but, like, all my attention is on TCU because they were in the national championship game last year. And, like, the attention should be on TCU. And Sonny Dykes, I know it's transition year, but there's top of that roster, you know, maybe, maybe being, you know, a little bit, like, kind of the same talent level as last year's. Problem is quarterback-wise, they're not there. Offensive coordinator-wise, there's a little bit of a gap there as well, too. Um, and defensively, they're not making all the adjustments that you like them to see, and they're getting beat in the margins, ironically, after a year they beat everybody in the margins. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Texas Tech and Kansas State. Kansas State needs to wash off that loss to Oklahoma State, and Tech needs to, you know, continue on their winning streak. Uh, And, look, they beat Houston, obviously, who's up and down. They beat Baylor, who's down. Uh, And now they've got Kansas State who needs this and Baron Morton looked very comfortable last week Baylor uh, didn't do much to get in his way um the I mean Big 12 I mean uh Taj ran all over the place yeah Yeah, Taj Brooks ran all over the place so that might be different than what he's going to see against Kansas State this week but uh Tech's in a position here to maybe gather back some of their hype yes um it's (sighs) This game is impossible to handicap just because yeah. you, you don't want to bet against Chris Kleiman and company because you know what they're capable of. But then you watch them last week off a of bye week just get, I mean, it was one-way traffic in terms of coaching. Like that first, they got that they got punched in the mouth from the word go. Uh, that first drive, that script was fantastic from Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy. And K-State, you know, they, they were putting a, a pretty significant hole um, pretty early on. I just... Man, like, I, I, I think Texas Tech is turning the corner. I've seen it the last six quarters for them, right? The last half of the Houston game and the last, uh, the entire four quarters against Baylor. But what, like, what does that actually mean? Um, K State's missing some corners, and obviously, too, they are missing uh, Daniel Green in the middle. They're not running the ball as effectively as they normally have. The receivers are not as open as they normally are. Uh, Will Howard is not making great decisions, but he's got to force balls in tight windows. He's not making good decisions, but it's not like there's a lot of great decisions there to make. I feel like Ben Sennett's honestly the guy who's open the most, yeah. which is a problem. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a big problem for them. So, you know, I, I feel about this spot here. Like, I think everything points to Tech winning. Here's the problem, though, Paul, is that it, this happened last year as a big night game at home, right, in conference. And they had a, they had a kind of corner-turning uh, opportunity and they got absolutely crushed by Baylor. And yeah. it was it was Baron Morton playing quarterback. And he's dinged. I'm not sure how good the shoulder is. So I really don't know. Um, you know, I, I think like, you try running the football against K-State because I actually think there's a chance that they're pretty weak there. 
Uh, some teams have had some success at that point, and that's not what we thought was going to happen. So Ollie Gordon had a big week last week, and um, maybe you try to do what Gundy and company did, and you know have hey have uh, you know have your guy make a, a few throws. But um, you know I'm I'm wondering how much pace we're going to see because Oklahoma State did have some did have some success with it at times, but also too there were some moments where it was like y'all need to put this game away and they let K State hang around. So if it's, if it's a close game, I'm going to trust K State more. Because in close games this year, um, you know, I know K-State has been excellent, but, like, Texas Tech has not been as good as they were last year. So it's it's really hard to figure out which way this game's going to go. I mean, I guess I'm going to take the home team in Texas Tech. But, yeah, it's basically a Big 12 title eliminator, and it's two teams that thought they would be in better spots than they were in this game, and really they're just fighting to stay alive at this point in the Big 12 hunt. Yeah. Kansas and Oklahoma State is very interesting to me in that um, you Kansas won't have – Jalen Daniels, so that's that's a problem. I mean, but they managed a way through last week very well against a team that can't stop the run. Oklahoma State might have found themselves a little bit, and they're playing in Stillwater, which is like the twilight zone for everybody else. So maybe Oklahoma State, while they're when they win games this year, it is not going to look. I'll just say it fun, like they're compared to how they used to win games, but they might have found a way to to uh, you know make it muddy and and keep people close and, and, and steal some. Yeah, so I forgot what the number is exactly, but Mike Gundy is, like, ridiculous as a home underdog. I mean, he has been – I saw the number last. I think Cody Nagel tweeted that. Uh, I forgot what it was exactly, though. So that gave me pause because, like, I, I think pretty confidently Kansas – this is weird to think. Like, Kansas, I'm not sure the entire roster is better, but, like, I think Kansas has the better team. I, re- I really think Kansas has a better team. Um. You know, like like Kansas football had a you know pretty they got beat pretty badly at the end of the Texas game. Like it was close, then it wasn't close, and they responded by beating the brakes off UCF. Like that is not something that Kansas teams really do. Last year's Kansas team fell apart after a loss, and that's the one thing about them is they are a hammer with the rushing attack. I mean, Highshaw and Neal are in a groove right now. The offensive line is blocking so well. Kodal Nicky has done a great job dialing up. Kansas threw for ninety eight yards last week and scored fifty points. Yeah. I mean, that is ridiculous. So uh, I'm wondering if if Mike Gundy and Brian Nardo can get into a spot where they do have to make Jason Bean beat them because I, I can't think of a game where Jason Bean – and Jason Bean's gotten close to beating some teams because they have you know, shootout games like last year, close against Oklahoma a little bit, close against Baylor at times, close against TCU when he came in relief, but never like actually got the job done. Um, so I'm wondering if if they if that Oklahoma State defense can put Kansas in that spot. That's kind of my big question for this game. All right, we'll do two national games before we go. Miami and North Carolina. Uh, Miami coming off the biggest blunder you can possibly make as a coach. I think they'll be very focused on the coaching staff. The players will be the question: Is North Carolina too good? And did Miami? Um, show themselves a little bit. Uh, just weird ACC night games. I just it's just like yikes. You just yuck, yuck, yuck. You know, it's one of those games where yeah. If anybody's better out there, I just encourage you to stay away from this game. Um, look like I, I think I think this Miami team is very, very good. Tyler Van Dyke has really turned a corner compared to what he was doing last year. Just the mismanagement of last week's game kind of has to make you rethink everything and how much those players trust their coaching staff to be put in places to succeed right now. It can't be, it can't be a whole lot. 
And so that does worry me. That does concern me right now as far as Miami is concerned. Um, I'm interested to see how Tez Walker looks, right? I think this is, you know, the first, you know, see him full, full speed, you know, uh, see if they can get him back fully incorporated in the offense. And I think Drake May, obviously, Drake May has big-time Sam Howe vibes in that final year Sam Howe played there when they took away all the weapons that he had, you know, like when the entire Michael Carter, Deami Brown group kind of got phased out and it was all him. It feels like it's a little bit better than that, but still like not excellent. So this game is really interesting because I, I think maybe overall Miami's got better per- – I actually pretty feel like pretty confident. Miami overall has better personnel. I trust the coach on the other side of the ball better. Uh, conservative old Mac, Mac, Mac Brown, you know, it, it looks like, uh, you know, like Brand Staley compared to, <laughs> compared to Mario Cristobal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that concerns me. So I would take Carolina. I, mean, I, I would take Carolina because they're at home. And I think there's a lot of questions being asked of Mario Cristobal right now. And I'm sure he's doubting himself. Yeah. That, that just, uh, that's one that's going to be tough to, to watch off. All right. The big one, Oregon, Washington from Seattle. This is one of the hardest games I've ever had to pick in my life. I feel I feel good about Oregon and just like they might lose, but I'm just kind of not too worried about it. You know, I think yeah. Oregon all around is a better team. I think up front they're actually pretty good, or at least better. Um, you know, I think that the big thing is like, can they get pressure on Washington? Right? Uh, if you let Michael Penix sit back and 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 deal, he's going to deal. Right? They've got you know multiple NFL wide receivers in the team, and that's just the way it's going to be. Tough environment, obviously, but I think that high powered Oregon offense has a good chance to put up just as many points. Um, I've loved the way that Bo Nix has looked this year. He's very, very confident. One of the environment will get to him at all, but he seems like he's just matured. He's gotten older. He's gotten better. Uh, and so I think it's really compelling from the standpoint of, like, one of these guys will emerge as a Heisman favorite, right? The kind of feels like it's how, how it's going to go for this game. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think we're expecting a, a, a shootout, right? Maybe things are slow in, in the beginning. The guys are tight maybe in the beginning because the atmosphere and everything. I think eventually everybody gets loose. They start putting up points, and I think I trust Oregon to get a few more stops. All right, Josh, um, is there a game we haven't talked about that uh, maybe maybe you've got on your radar? Well, you know, because all these schools are like like pretty significant favorites, Um, so I I think that's big. I'd like to shout out tonight in the AAC, Memphis against – Memphis is playing uh, Tulane. That's a pretty big game in the uh, American Athletic Conference. Mm-hmm. Also this weekend, I, I am looking to see uh, the Notre Dame-USC game mm-hmm. just because Notre Dame just keeps playing big game after big game after big game. And like, I'm not sure they thought it would end up being like this, but like Duke obviously got them in a big spot. Louisville got them in a big spot. Both those were at home. You know, I, I felt like that that entire last drive against Ohio State was a game in itself that took out just like, you know, it's like an extra game almost they had to play mm-hmm. uh, just emotionally. And so, like, you're thinking, okay, back at home now, is that good? Is that bad? You know, what's the state of the team? Are they banged up? Because um, Louisville, Louisville took a tour a little bit last week there towards – I mean, they got to Sam Hartman. But the thing is, you know, it's crazy to think this. USC's defense is probably nowhere near as good as Louisville's defense is, which is a weird statement to say, but that just kind of goes to the Alex Grinch territory. So – um you know, I, I, I'm wondering how they approach this game. They try to slow things down. Uh, they try to limit possessions. I want to try to score with USC because, hey, like, if if Fafita can do it, uh, you know, and Arizona can do it, why the hell can we not do it? So uh, I'm interested to see Marcus Freeman's coaching approach because 
I'll tell you what, man. He there's there is no coach in the country who is uh, who is more maligned on a week to week basis. I feel like for the way they approach games than Marcus Freeman. I know the 10, 10 men thing was pretty bad, but it feels like each week, just like the Duke game, people are like, "Why are you playing for a long field goal in this game?" That makes does not make a ton of sense in the moment when they were doing it. Luckily, they got out of that thing alive. You know, I think some of the folks were upset about like, the way they protected last week, and then this week too. You're wondering, all right, how's the approach? So. I think it's because they're playing so many big games, but nobody week to week gets more scrutiny in terms of coaching because those big games, because Notre Dame, because of who he's following, than than uh, Marcus Freeman. So he has to deal with that in his second year of being head coach, which I don't envy him at all. I think Marcus Freeman is in the category right now, and I think he'll be out of it soon enough, where he is a great coach Sunday to Friday. And then on Saturdays, he's not there yet. I think he gets there. I mean, I think yeah. it's, I mean, it's coming. I, we're going... But, yeah, we're going there right now too. You know, like watching Sam Pittman and here in Arkansas, it's just some guys they just don't have it on game day when they go up against better coaches. But like eventually they do learn. You know what I mean? Or sometimes they don't. Yeah. But I mean, I think you kind of like his chances to to figure it out. Marcus Freeman's young, young coach. Yeah, he's really young. It's yeah. Kind of, yeah, he's got plenty of time. Yeah, he's got plenty of time. All right, Josh, have a great weekend, man. Always enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week. You too, Paul. Anytime. All right. There you go, Josh. Neighbors. Crystal Ball College Football, couple great podcasts on that. Neighborhood Watch, College Chaos. We try to bring it on Mondays, Jack and I. Appreciate yeah. y'all tuning in when you do. Yeah, so go uh, like and subscribe to, to that channel. And if you're wondering why that stuff isn't on this channel, it's because we created a new channel, and then the person who was there, he got another great job, uh, and we're very proud of him. So we, we had this channel that had like 10,000 subscribers yeah. already on it. So we didn't want to just throw it away. So we've created we've created another channel. We're eventually going to be like the Netflix of YouTube college football and college sports content. And maybe pro sports content as we, we start doing some more of that on other things. But that's the goal. We're, we're, very, we're very small, though, right now. Like right now, there's, Baby only, steps, man. there's, Baby only, steps. there's only two of us in this room right now producing this show. So... Um, we don't have today the cast of thousands. Fridays, Fridays is, is the skeleton crew show. Definitely, yeah. And look, we'll take it. We'll take it. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I'm not afraid. Heat. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll bring the heat. Uh, Sam Bradshaw's up in the next segment, uh, Garrett, and um, I. Uh, I have to. I have to complain about something real quick to you. I was talking to you about it in the break. Okay. Um, do you ever like? In chain restaurants, like stuff that's like there's like a bad one near you, and then like if you like that place and there's a, a second location, yes. you now have to make the realization that if you ever want to go there for any reason, you have to the one that's five minutes from your house. It's out because it's it's just not good. I we actually had this incident with a very good, very prominent chain restaurant who's got its own movie. Um, where actually the, the one that was closest at the point in time sucked. So we'd have to go all the way across Waco. And then we finally got one built within essentially walking distance that my son will not like refuses to not let us attend like three times a week to get him French fries. Yeah. So I've definitely been in that boat before. It's, it's frustrating to say the least. Yeah. Uh, it is weird. Like there is a place by our house that every time, like we don't go there that often. Right. It's a fast food joint. And we don't go there that often, but seemingly every time we go there, there's something wrong. Yes. And one time we went to get ice cream and like, yeah, we're not doing that right now. And that's how we said it. Yeah, we're not doing ice cream right now. And I went, what do you, could you just say you're out? Like, oh man, we're out. But he was like, yeah, we're not doing that right now. As if he was like, look, 
the easiest thing I've just asked you to do in the whole thing is pump ice cream into a cup. I'm not asking you, like, I'm asking you to make a burger or fries. Like, you have to cook nothing hot. The machine's just going. Mm. So if you tell me the machine's out of order, that's fine. You can't. I know that you're just the guy who pumps it. You're not the guy who has built the machine and fixes it. I get it. It's fine. Uh, but there was another time where we got some, like, actual food, and my wife was like, hey, can you make sure that there's sauces in the thing? And she uh-huh. um, she asked the, the the car hop if that gives you any, any kind of <laughs> sense of who it was. And... She's like, it's in the bag. And we're like, okay, we trusted her. And then we got there and she was clearly lying. And it was just, it was a really stupid thing to lie about. And so now I have to, if I ever want to go back there again, I have to like, I have to find one of the ones that's 20 minutes away. It sounds like the one you're describing might be a shell company. I think you might need to lose your research. Somebody got, somebody's running stuff through there. Straight up shell company. Shell company. That's it. They bought a Sonic franchise to launder their money. All I wanted, all, all she wanted was a honey mustard. So, all right. When we come back. Sam Bradshaw, Signal365.com. Can the Bears change their scheme? How experienced are they? What's going on? Sam will try to tell you if they can. This is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 20 
36 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Welcome back. 365 Sports and Sikkim 365 Sam Bradshaw joins us now. Sam, in a week... How can you change or fix this offensive system? Because, honestly, they don't really know what they do well. Yeah. Um, fixing anything in a week is going to be very, very difficult. I mean, bye weeks give you more opportunity to self-scout and to work on your skills and to potentially try some new things schematically. But it's not the same as having a spring to do install. It's not the same as being able to do an overhaul like that that would allow you to really dramatically change what you do. So to a certain extent, you're going to have to stick with some of what you've been trained to do. Obviously they're not executing it to the level that they'd like, you know, there's nothing reliably and violent about their branded reliable, violent offense RVO that's been going on this year. Um, since Blake Shapin's been back, they've done a better job of moving between the twenties only to just collapse inside the red zone. So in terms of trying to fix the offense, I think you have to look at three areas and understand that there's going to be a limited amount that you can really do just within two weeks. But I think, I think there's three things you can really focus on. First off, tendency. There's Based off how quickly Beck was able to really, really punish them schematically, those safety blitzes were never really effectively countered. And some of the other tactics that Tech brought out, you got to think that whether it's Joey being on staff prior or whether it's somebody getting a hint on your signals or whether it's something along the lines of you're just that obvious in terms of what you're doing on film with certain tells, you have to self-scout. You have to break tendency. If, if you're going to stick with any of your existing plays, which even a change in philosophy in terms of what you're calling would likely do, you've got to make sure that you're breaking tendency and you're not predictable because if they're able to predict you, they're able to beat you, even if, you have an advantage over them. And so far, this team hasn't proven that it necessarily has that advantage, which underscores the importance here. Secondly, um, you need to make sure that you got the right guys in, in on the offensive line. You know, um, game one, Alvin Nebesale was on the bench, and he may be your best tackle. You know, that one was wrong. Are there any other Alvin Nebesales on the uh, offensive line that aren't playing right now? Guys that might not have it week the first week they're in there, but 
with a, with a few game reps might actually be better than the guy that they might replace. You have to look up and down your roster and see, do we should we give some of these other guys a shot? And then after all that, you're also looking from the scheme standpoint of, all right, what can our guys execute? Will we be better off with two tight ends in the game? Will we be better with four wide receivers? We base out of wide zone running and a couple pin and pull schemes based off of that. But do we need to focus on potentially some other run schemes that are in our arsenal? And have and do we have enough of a practice rep base for those guys to execute it at a high level? Because you've got to find something that works. And while they've moved it better within the 20s, that red zone has been awful. So I think that red zone offense needs to get a lot of extra work and possibly mix in some things like a wildcat package or something where you can get some of your multiple talented running backs or receivers on the field. You know, they've, they've tried to do some different things with guys moving positions. You saw them use Jordan neighbors at running back and use him out of the backfield in a bit of an interesting way. I think they're definitely going to try a few different things, but it really got to, you got to make sure you're not predictable. You got to make sure you got the right guys. And then from there, your adjustments can, have a better chance of success. How hard is it to just change your scheme in the season though? I mean, like that's, they've been running the wide zone for a few years now. They ran it through the spring. They ran it through the fall practice. They run it through these games and it's not working at all. Like it's not even working a little bit. It's not working at all. Right. I mean, the only game where you've really seen the wide zone work effectively because of the wide zone and not because of doing quarterback runs against Utah is the UCF game. And even then it was the last three quarters of the UCF game and UCF is not exactly the best run defense you're going to face this year. You know, it's overwhelmingly difficult to change your scheme midstream because guys need reps. Guys need to be able to talk to each other, have a feel for like, if you're doing a zone block, you need to know how long you're going to stay on that, defensive tackle or defensive end before you peel up to a linebacker and just having a feel for the the many different things that change split second by split second during a play. And while they can definitely do some things, are they going to be able to get proficient enough at it to compete at a high level? Now I do think changing tactics would give them a little bit of a benefit just from the unpredictability aspect of it. You know, there's only so many tendencies people can pull out from like the five times you've run power since Jeff Grimes has been here. Um, you know, there's only so much that they can peel off of that, which gives you a little bit of an element of surprise if you're able to diversify it enough. But it's definitely a tall order. And whether it's personnel or tendency or really leaning on other parts of the playbook that they haven't or changing formation, they got to do something. Sam, given how their scheme coming into the season was simply based on this reliable, violent offense and everything predicated with that and the stable of running backs, have you been surprised how they have essentially neglected to use Richard Reese on a game-to-game basis? I'm not terribly surprised given how the line has played. Now, if, if you had last year's offensive line and you had at least a bare minimum proficiency in keeping on your blocks and giving the running backs chances, I would be very surprised at this level of usage. But anytime a team is struggling to block them up front, it's not surprising to me that they're not running the ball with any particular player as, as often as they otherwise would. 
because if you don't trust your guys up front to block, you're really going to have to lean on the other part of your offense. I, it, obviously, Shapin's not at the level of the name I'm about to mention, and the line I'm about to mention was better than this one, but it reminds me a little bit of those Colt McCoy years at Texas where the, the last two where the offensive line really wasn't all that good in run blocking, but the fact that you had a guy that could run it a little bit at quarterback but was really, really proficient in the passing game, giving them some favorable looks, was able to carry the offense a little bit further than it otherwise would go. And you saw that offense really kind of peter out when they lost him in 2010. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of that where the line's just not there. So to a certain extent, what this offense is getting, it's really having to lean on Shapin for Baylor right now. And they're moving it all right between the 20s in some of these games. It's just they're not able to cash in for points. So what's the value of a 50, 60, 70-yard drive? You're only getting three. Or if you miss a field goal or if you fail on fourth down, you've got to be able to turn that into points. And that's the biggest disconnect here. If they can fix the red zone area, it, it won't look good. It won't be the offense they've had the last couple of years, but it would be better than they're getting now. Sam, you wrote um, about uh, the experience that this team has. Some of they've gotten the transfer portal, some of their guys. How much experience do they really – is that something they can lean on, or is that something now that doesn't matter and they're six games in uh, and have to scrap? Well, in that article, I was really highlighting that there's a lot of experience that went out the door in the offseason. You had five starting offensive linemen gone, plus Mose Jeffrey, who is a backup guard who had starting experience for you. He's gone. And you brought in the Barrington brothers on the offensive line. So really, apart from the Barrington, it's really Baylor relying on the guys that they've recruited out of high school. So it makes you wonder if you knew this roster pretty well more steps taken over the last few years to build up that depth, to build got to build in enough talent base for this offense to thrive once those names were gone. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you lost your top three nose tackles. And you brought in a good JUCO transfer and Darrell Boykins, who's been hurt all year. But there's no reason the team two years removed from a top five finish in year four of the coaching staff with pretty much systematic continuity, even if you have a new DC this year, the system's still pretty the same, should be having to start a 270-pound converted D-end and a guy who was 270 pounds for Oregon converted D-end last year as your top two nose tackles for the first couple games this year. You know, it, it really speaks to a lack of roster management. You know, why were only, why were so few options taken in the portal that could really have shored up some weaknesses? Nobody's expecting to bring in Superman at every position, but much like those old Bill Snyder teams at Kansas State in the 2010s, you don't necessarily have to have world beaters everywhere, but having above average everywhere really takes a lot of weaknesses off the board for the opponent to attack. Yeah, Sam, I, I think that... Um... That they're kind of feeling the wrath of not getting in the portal and getting some veterans after the after the Sugar Bowl right now. I think that's right. part of the problem. And not like and not saying that everybody's going to be a star, but they bet on some younger players when they could have had some veterans that now not even veterans then they could have been redshirt freshmen a year ago. But 
Now they're redshirt sophomores or redshirt juniors, and they're veterans in your program that are, like you said, above average, solid guys. Right. And, you know, after the Barrington brothers and Gavin Byer coming into the year, the offensive line had barely any experience. Now, some of those guys could potentially step up and be really solid players for you eventually, but that is a very, very difficult proposition for me to understand why you only took two guys when presumably there's somebody at the FCS level that's got a lot of experience who may not be an NFL guy, but would certainly be an upgrade over what you have now. That if you're telling me that somebody in that position that decided to transfer to New Mexico State or Utah State or something like that, you telling me they wouldn't have jumped at a Baylor offer? I have a hard time buying that. You know, um, I think it, I think there's a lot of reason to be frustrated with the state of the roster because Matt Rule's final recruiting class when he was negotiating with the NFL, uh, that definitely left some holes. But you've had four years to fix them and a transfer portal and a very notable program that the year before you arrived and in your second year either made or went to the Big 12 title game and went to the Sugar Bowl in both of those years to help you recruit. There's no reason to have this many gaps if you've played your roster cards right. That's an ender right there, Sam. I like that. That's powerful. That is, listen, every week you give me great stuff. That might be your single best nugget so far. Well, thanks, Paul. I, I, I mean, I hope I hope they can get things turned around. I wish whoever's in the head coaching spot at Baylor, I wish whoever's in the coordinator spot at Baylor, all of the luck. I think these guys are good people. But, man, being here in year four after a top five finish is very, very difficult to understand. And it's something that definitely bears looking into. Absolutely. Sam Bradshaw, Sikkim365.com. Sam, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You too. All right. So, yeah, Garrett, that was huh, that was a fastball right there. Uh, here. And it's true because that's where when Dave Aranda looks back on where they are right now, how do you two Sugar Bowls in three years and then you're here, right? And... uh. I like that. That's the thing. And I, I like, I'll point back to that, you know, getting um, like two guys, three yeah. guys. I mean, they got Jackson player that didn't, that didn't work it like that. The 2022 team should have been chalked a lot more f- full of transfers and not even guys who necessarily were going to play a lot, but guys that you were like, you are like your plan initially was with Sawyer Robertson was to bank on a couple of years from now, right? That he was going to be developmental so that now you're in 2023 when they came in 2022, they got there a little time and then, and then they, they went out and maybe even though it, 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 um, it all worked out for them in 2021 when they could have done the same thing, they didn't do as much there either, you know? So, you know, that, like, because you're here 2023, if you get somebody in 2021, they're playing now. Right. Right. And so maybe they didn't do enough of that. And you can't go back and change that. You can only move forward. But in the moment of right now where you're, you've had severe depth issues. Well, I'm also concerned about like the developmental part of this because even the guys you've recruited, like you have so many 
especially in the trenches. Like I know I could, I'm not going to name them, but you, they've get, went in and got a ton of guys that they've recruited in that should be making, you would think would be involved in this rotation and making progress. And when, uh, they've had opportunities, a couple of them have gotten out there. They're just nowhere near ready. I, so that's kind of what I'm concerned with this because you're going out. I don't know if you're missing, like, I know you've talked about it a lot about the talent misevaluation. I want to know how much of it is misevaluation and how much of it is improper development or a combo because there, there's so many guys, like young, talented people that we were told were, they had all these expectations that you're just kind of lost in limbo and wondering where they're even at. So I, I don't know what it is with Baylor. I don't know what it is with the staff and the, the, not being able to put two and two together. But, yeah, to be in this position at, after four years of doing this and all of the high momentum that you were riding before you got to this point, it really is inexcusable. And I don't know what you do and how you fix that quickly or even sell a glimmer of hope going into the future. Yeah, I don't know. that. That's – yeah, they, they've got – they do. They, they, they've missed on a couple that they were counting on. Right. And – or missed, or those guys are are going to be late bloomers, and they like they can't afford to wait around for the late bloomers right now. Yeah, they just can't. Well, you know, and another thing too, like going back and tying in with all that, and Sam kind of alluded to it when he was talking about players. Um, like he, I think he mentioned like going to Utah State or these other schools and not having a Baylor offer because they would take it. But like the people that you see transferring out of Baylor, even like where are they going? They're not going. Nine times out of ten, they're not going to other Power Five rosters. They're going down a level. So, what does that say about where you're at as a program and the caliber of player you're recruiting? If when they're leaving you, they can't even go to another Power Five program. Yeah, like that, that's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll take a break right here. We'll come back. Um, we'll do a short segment, and then the man who called it. Kevin Eschenfelder, voice of the Houston Cougars. What in the world in Houston and West Virginia last night? We've kept the helmets over, oh, well, I'll start with this shoulder. Sorry. Over my shoulder here. Uh, and holy cow. Like, what a, what a ridiculous, ridiculous fourth quarter that was and finished to that game. Uh, and he called it. He's at 5 o'clock. This is 365 Sports. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance BankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. 
Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Quick segment here. Garrett, last night on his coach's show, uh-huh. his radio show, Nick Saban, um, when uh, talking about Oklahoma, Texas coming in the league and what the scheduling model is going to be, uh, he said, the way they're going to do our seven-team rotation, one team fix, I think you're going to play everybody every four years. So almost every guy at your school is going to play every team in the conference, which I think is great as well. Uh, I think, for one, the SEC, we talked about this when it happened, would be absolutely stupid to play, to, to cave to the, take cave to the coaches, too, because yes. that's who they'd be caving to, would be the coaches. And you can't just give them everything they want. And it wouldn't be so bad you know, for everybody else, it's made it a little bit harder for, for them. Uh, yeah. uh, especially if you say, like, oh, our league's great. Doesn't matter how many games, you know, like we should, you know. Yeah, if you're going to look down at everybody else, you're going to have to play nine games. You're going to have to play nine games. But if you do seven plus one, that means that we'll just take Texas and Oklahoma. Right. Uh, or Texas. That means that they have to pick between Oklahoma every year, which is what they're going to do. Exactly. And A&M every year, which is silly. Like, if you did the six plus three rotation, you're still going to get those those people in. And, you know, if you're Georgia, you're going to pick between the cocktail party or Auburn. If you're Tennessee, you're picking between Florida and Ole Miss, right? Or Bama. Or Bama, right. If you're Bama, it's LSU. Like, it's going to be Auburn. So then there's Auburn is off of Georgia's plate, right? Because you're not going to take away Alabama-Auburn. No, but Ole Miss, you know, so I think here, 
Nick Saban is wrong and operate, even though the SEC has said it and not operating with full information here because I don't see how the SEC can, you know, add these teams and then tell, especially, especially here's the thing. The only benefit to Texas A&M for Texas and OU coming in because they left them. The reason they left was because of Texas. Right. Was that you're now going to get the benefit of having your actual rival back. Well, also this whole this whole notion of realignment and these super conferences and everything was for better matchups, right? Wasn't that it? The better matchups. It yeah. wasn't money. It wasn't greed. It was better matchups. So Yeah, that's what they said, right? So why the hell would you not want to structure your schedule to give the best matchups more frequently to the customer? Like that would make the most sense. Uh yeah, I mean as an LSU fan, I want to see them play everybody. Uh, as often as possible. I don't want to go five years without playing Georgia. Like, LSU's done that in the past. Every year, I want to play Bama. I want to play Ole Miss. Like, I want to play Texas. Like, So, the notion of doing the 7-1, it's just ridiculous. I think that there are so many uh, long-standing rivalries over there. Like, the Egg Bowl. Okay, are you going to keep the Egg Bowl? Are you going to tell Ole Miss and LSU? I believe Ole Miss is LSU's longest uh, tenured rival. So, how do you – there's just so many – the elements and games that are going to get tossed to the wayside for years on end and nobody benefits from it. It's a stupid idea. No, look, and look for AM, like if I'm them, I want Texas every year. Absolutely. I want LSU every year yep. and I will take my pick between Oklahoma and Arkansas every year. You know, I think those yeah. are the, <laughs> yeah. the right, like whatever you want. Like I probably want Arkansas in that regard, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want but I mean, like, I know that's not how it's going to work. Cause there's going to be one in there. That's like Vanderbilt is just going to like, right. It's going to be slid in there because you, you know, not all these things. Mizzou doesn't weigh as much, you yeah. know, Mizzou and Oklahoma and Arkansas are probably going to have to play each other. Like they're right there together. But, um, in Mizzou and Oklahoma, we're, we're, we're big eight rivals, right. Going, going way back. So you can, you can restart that again, but yeah, there's like you, but you get to the point, like, why is the SEC letting the Big Ten show them how to do this and ignore it? I, arrogance, like that's all, like that, that's or the like, only thing I can think of. Maybe you've 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 positioned yourself at the top of the mountain and you're arrogant enough to think you know best. Like when somebody per, just plainly gives you the blueprint to something great. You're still, it's like the American way. You're still arrogant enough to ignore the facts and believe what you want to believe. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just think, I, I think it's silly that you would do that. Now, look, that's Nick Saban saying what he thinks because that's what they're going to do next year. In 2024, they're going to be yeah. seven and one. Uh, and, and A&M and Texas are going to play and Oklahoma and Texas are going to play, but it doesn't balance out. It doesn't balance out in the end either when everybody else is playing more conference games. Like you've, you've been able to hold this for so long. I think this is a breaking point where you can't do that. Well, the other thing is like, again, give, if you, if they're going to want four teams of that 12, right? Every year, they're going to say they they deserve four. Well, you're not going to deserve four. If just for example, I'll tell you the big 10 is doing nine. And the ACC is doing nine, and the Big Twelve is doing nine. Nope. Like you're not going to deserve deserve for because they will have taken more of a, a schedule, and they're also not like I think the little for some reason they've been able to hide it from everybody else. But that little um, like you McNeese know week, week eleven, <laughs> no, it's, it's it's the week twelve, you know, like right before the rivalry game. Oh yeah, yeah. where you play McNeese, like that's gonna have to go away. 
That's good. Like, here's the other thing. I think that has to go away because you're trying to make November better. So you can play that game week one, but you're not playing it week 11 anymore. This whole, we're going to separate it out. So, um, I also think that makes because down the stretch anyway, you want the better matchups. You want more. You want November to be really intriguing and make the the twelfth the the push for the twelve team playoff more entertaining. And, Hell yeah, you want that. As as I'll, I'll get Bob Thompson to get me a job as a TV exec. Maybe he's got connections. <laughs> no flit. Uh, <laughs> but as a TV exec, I would start like maybe pushing this. Like again, I'm if I'm ESPN and I own all the SEC outright right yeah. now, and they're telling me they're only going to play eight conference games, I'd be like. I'd be well, like, uh, uh, no, 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 hey guys, you want us to keep up with that money? Yeah, how are you going to get more money on the next deal? More games against each other. That was my like the the money part of it. That was my first like that, and with the uh, and tie that in with what came out with Ohio State and Penn State being like, we're not going to play games on Friday. You're getting all this damn money. You're gonna play when they tell you you're yeah. going to play. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Haney debates if the ACC is going to nine games. I think everybody's going to have to. They're going to have to. Yeah. I think everybody's going to have to. So. Um, but so, yeah. Um, so that what is the ACC at right now? Eight. Yeah. Uh, but Barry Crawford goes. Oh, Paul, who does FSU play Week Eleven? Yeah, they play uh, uh, North Alabama. I don't. I'm not nuts about that. It's between Florida and Miami. But yeah, I'd rather like play play anybody in the ACC in that week. North Alabama can be earlier. Right. You know, not like they've, they've only, and they only started doing that because they're like, well, the SEC is going to do it. So are we exactly. So yes, no, I'm, I'm not hypocritical. I'm not good with my school doing it. I think it's lame. It is lame. It's lame. My school does it all the time. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) Stupid. I hate it. So, um, ah, Dennis says the latest article from the Richard Times says ACC isn't moving to nine games unless they get a bump in their TV payout. Well, maybe that's how they do. So they're about to have more teams in the conference too. So they got plenty to negotiate. Yeah, they got, they got <laughs> plenty to work out. And look, the teams they're going to lose are going to go to conferences that are probably going to play nine games. Yeah, so, so they might as well get used to it. Get used to it. So yeah, start playing nine games. I think everybody should play nine conference games. You should. I, I think it makes I think it makes the season better. Well, I and mean, then, everybody's got more teams in there. It makes more sense. But now, like again, the and and plus the SEC logic of playing nine games or eight games, so you have less losses. Well, now you can have a couple more losses because there's more teams in the playoff. So stop losing using four team playoff logic. In 12-team playoff times. But but if you play, you can get six teams in if you only keep it a seven. <laughs> yeah, I know. Play two conference yeah, games. Yeah. Just just do that, SEC. When we come back, the voice of the Cougars, Kevin Eschenfelder. This is 365 Sports. Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott understand these are difficult and changing times we live in, but they know how important your financial investments are to you. So is your financial advisor staying in touch with you and helping you navigate today's financial climate? Invest with Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott will invest their time and experience back to you and your money. And like coaching athletes, investing money is about time, patience, and encouragement. Contact Ben Erlinson at 254 Chuck Verno at 720 North 64th Street, Brad Wilson's location at 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, and Cam Heathcott in Conroe. Edward Jones Financial Advisors, Ben Erlinson, Chuck Verno, Brad Wilson, and Cam Heathcott. Proud sponsors of 365 Sports. Edward Jones, making sense of investing, member SIPC. 
Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally hear. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. The 365 Sports Friday Show is presented by Bird Culchin Ford and the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Kevin Eschenfelder, the voice of the Houston Cougars. Kevin, have you come down off the high of the end of that game yet? I uh, yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a, uh, it was a, a great ending. What uh, one of my fantastic finishes. But yeah, that was uh, that was exciting. It was, uh, it was, it was the, the range of emotions over about a 90 second span of, of real time. Uh, forget about game time, but. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Because people forget it wasn't just the hail mary that was answered. It was the the fact that West Virginia scored it on a fifty yard touchdown pass with what a minute five left. Was it, I don't even remember, twelve seconds left. With twelve seconds left uh, before that, people forget about that to take a lead and just uh, take the absolute air out of that entire building. Uh, so yeah, it went from from certainly from absolutely one quick end of emotions to the other. So. Just in your, uh, you know, how this works for people watching, you know, when you're doing a game and that happens, I know how the broadcaster mind works. You start thinking like, oh, well, in the post game, this went from happy to sad real quick, you know? So now yeah. you have to, you're going to have to ask Dana Holgerson different questions when you get them. You're going to have to, a whole different thing. So to have it change so rapidly had to be so wild just in your own mind of what you're going to do once the game's over. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was, uh, it was a definite situation, and I've done, you know, I've, I've, I've had that doing years and 27 seasons of Major League Baseball and Astros. You know, you get that, you're you're ready for a, a game to end a certain way, and all of a sudden somebody hits a three-run home run and ends a different way. Uh, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was a quick mindset. It was a, it was 
it's always better to have it shift that way. Because if you really think about it, it's really three different shifts. Because you're thinking about, wow, this is going to be a great post-game interview because post-game press conference because you're going to win. Then it goes from, oh, my gosh, this is one of the most devastating losses. How do you, what do you talk about now? To, this is one of the most incredible wins I've ever seen. <laughs> because it was, it was really three, uh, three different swings, and uh, they happened quickly. And I'm glad it ended the way it did, obviously. And, uh, you know, so uh, it was something I, it's one of those that you won't forget anytime soon. How big was this for Houston to start building some momentum? Uh, you know, I, I don't it, – it was huge. It, it was obviously huge because the – the fact that you haven't won, hey, let's face it, you haven't won the conference. And, uh, you know, you were at home uh, against a team in West Virginia that had come in. You think about the, the Cougars' two conference losses were to TCU and Texas Tech. Uh, West Virginia's two conference wins were TCU and Texas Tech. So, uh, you know, it wasn't going to be easy. And, uh, you know, but it, 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 they played well. It was the first time really all season long uh, against a, a really – uh, top-notch opponent that they have played two quarter, or two halves. Uh, they played well in the first half. They scored 28 points in the first half of Texas Tech. Uh, you know, problem is, is they didn't score in the second half. So it, it was. It's been that kind of season, and, and finally it's put together two halves, uh, 60 minutes of football. That was very gratifying. And, and you thought, like I said, uh, giving up that 50-yard touchdown with 12 seconds left in the game, you thought, oh my gosh. It, 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 can you play a whole lot better than you did right now, and then you're going to end up getting beat going from that to the win. Uh, so that was, uh, it was certainly it was it was a big win for the uh, for the Cougars. Uh, for Donovan Smith in particular, his best game he was very efficient. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many times the ball even hit the ground in the second half uh, last yeah, he, night. He, yeah, he, he completed his last 16 passes, yeah, uh, 16 in a row uh, down the stretch. What I thought was really impressive about Donovan was the fact that he was off. I mean, to start the game, uh, you know, just little swing patterns of running backs coming out of the backfield, check downs. And, now, he was missing those passes. He was overthrowing guys. He was throwing it behind guys. And uh, I think it takes a – I think it says something about uh, an athlete, whether it's, you know, everybody can you – know, you can score 40 when your jumper's falling. But what do you do on the nights when you when it's not? Do you right the ship? Or, and, you know – that's what he did last night because he wasn't good to start the game. He really struggled early on, but uh, man, he finished finished strong, sixteen uh, straight completions, and I think it was what two hundred two hundred twenty something yards or something like that in those last sixteen completions. Is especially given that Texas is next, and that and and you know it'll be rocking uh, for, for that one sellout, um, and then Kansas State on the road. Confidence wise, for him to have that game, Dana Holgerson told us at at media days, like, look. He only saw one weakness in Donovan Smith, and it was a big one. That just that he gives the ball away too much. He didn't do that last night. For that to be in his head going into Texas, knowing that that's that is a daunting task for anyone. Uh, yeah, he hasn't done it. Yeah, he hasn't done it all season. Only three interceptions really all season long. He's been great at taking care of the football. Yeah. So they 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 maybe fixed that issue, but next week against Texas, it's a whole different animal, isn't it? No, hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. You know that's that's there's no doubt about that. Texas is going to come in after after an off week, uh, you know, and then of course they're probably not going to be in a great mood after what happened against Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a very uh, daunting task, as you said, and uh, that's going to be a level of athlete that the, that the Cougars uh, it's been a long time since they have played against the kind of athletes they play against in this game against Texas. But, you know, as they say, that's why you play them, and uh, we'll see what happens. 
so far a few games into the Big 12 season, what do you see as the biggest gap that Houston will have to uh, to close talent-wise? Do you see it uh, up front? Is it Where is it? I do think it, it starts up front uh, with the size, and then it's going to go to the secondary because that's where they really struggled right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you got to get those, you know, those, those, those cornerbacks that they're that are built like wide receivers that uh, you know that, those guys uh, you got to get those guys and but I do think it starts up front I mean it really does let's face it you got a big strong efficient offensive line you can do a lot of different things and you can cover up a lot of work so I mean quarterbacks are better running backs are better everything's better whenever you have that offensive line I think that's probably where it starts then on the flip side of that because it's been a situation in these games where you know, Houston is hung with teams, but it seems like in the second half that's when they get worn down. You know, see Texas Tech, uh, see TCU, and uh, and that's no excuse. Uh, they, they just flat got beat by better football teams on those days. But uh, that's where I think it's going to have to start, and it's going to have to start with a chance to really recruit as a Big 12 team for the first time, uh, and that starts right now. Kevin, in your career, which is you've done play-by-play for a long time, was that the craziest moment, or do you, do you have others you can compare it to? Uh, I do, and I was somebody had asked me that earlier. And there was uh, in 2016 in the opener against Oklahoma, Brandon Wilson, I think still in the NFL, uh, ran back a kick six for mm-hmm. uh, touchdown, 100. And, well, he caught it literally, literally was keeping his feet in on the back line of the end zone, caught it right over the crossbar, and ran it back for a touchdown. That was that's up there. And then uh, in 2021, Marcus Jones, after SMU scored the tie it for 20 seconds left in the game, they kicked off to Marcus Jones. For whatever reason, I still have no idea. And uh, Marcus Jones took it back 100 yards. So those, and then last night, obviously, those, those are the three. But given the, the importance of last night, the first ever uh, Big 12 conference win, I would put last night at the top. But yeah, that, I've been blessed to be around. It's my 11th season doing University of Houston football. Uh, I've been blessed to be around some, some, some really good teams and, and uh, some have an opportunity to, to be there in the right place at the right time. And, and yeah, last night was certainly one of those. I think the Marcus Jones thing is going to keep SMU fans up at night for years. <laughs> well, I went in. It's funny because when we get done, we, we go over and talk, you know, sometimes we'll go over and talk to the other radio crew. And, and I walked into SMU's booth afterwards and, and just wish him a good, you know, have have a good season. Rich Phillips, who does a great play-by-play announcer for SMU, he, he looks at me and he just goes, 38 seconds. And I said, what? He goes, I didn't speak for 38 seconds. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it's, yeah, it's, uh, we've all gone through it. And, and uh, yeah, it was, certainly, it was certainly a wonderful night last night. Yeah, what do you, what do you even say? I mean, sometimes what do you even say? Like, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I know that's yeah. it's it's your job to say something, but like if you don't have anything to say, just don't say something. And, and, I, and I talked it, and I talked about it last night too. I went over to the West Virginia guys. Mm-hmm. I wish them a good season, and uh, you know, hope their stay in Houston was good. And not, you know, not you know, I mean, not not about the game, but uh, and I mean, I just thought about him. I thought, man, he just went from one of the, the greatest calls because you. Your team just scored a 50-yard touchdown with 12 seconds left to, to win a game until you didn't. And uh, so, yeah, it's a swing of emotions. And, and as play-by-play guys, you, you know, we all, you know, John, you, mm. we live and die with these guys. And, uh, you know, we don't we don't ever win and lose games, but we, we certainly feel it in our heart. And, and that's why that's the passion you have. If you don't have that passion, you're not doing this job. And, and so 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a certain it's an emotional week every week, and I, I look forward every Saturday morning waking up and getting ready to go do a, a college football game. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, rest that voice for next week against Texas. You're gonna have to talk okay. over a lot of crowd noise. I know that, and we'll see you here you in about that. three weeks. You got it. All right, looking forward to coming to wake up. All right. There you go. There you go, Kevin Ashenfelder, voice of the Cougars. I mean, and Garrett, it's so weird. Like, like in those moments. Uh, that you have to like react like that. And I do like getting it from the play by play. Like I, uh, if we didn't gotten Kev- Kevin, I was going to try to get Brando too. Cause Brando did the game. Yeah, he did that one. Yeah. And he like, he, he, uh, his call was, he was kind of like, you could tell even he was like in the, Oh my gosh, stunned. And he let the crowd noise play, you know, which is, I think really key in those uh, moments because you need to hear the, the reaction to it. And then especially since it happened at home for Houston, and then I think it's equally important when you have those things, if it happens on the road, I, I thought last week, listen to my, the Miami calls and l- like listening to the, oh my God, the booze right. and the, they were throwing cups out on the field. And yeah, I, I think you bring up a, brought up a good point and I don't know how, I guess a lot of people won't really relate to it, but when you were talking about the, um, thinking forward oh, as yeah. it's situational thinking forward from the question perspective and the emotional roller coaster and damage that that can do and that you how do you have to work on a fly no that game was incredible man uh, i think I, I think if you go on tim brando's twitter i believe he called those la- the last two minutes of that game the best he has called um and he's done a lot of great games it was just really remarkable i think that was big for not only the University of Houston, but the city of Houston in general, they've waited a, such a long time to be put on the, the, the same level playing field, per se, as the other uh, big colleges in the state. Uh, and for them to have that moment and it come against Dana's former team, uh, that's definitely one that's going to live forever uh, for Houston. And just hopefully they can build on that game and carry the momentum going forward. Because, like you said, I mean, I'm really happy that Houston's in the Big 12. Uh, I think they're a fun university. I have a soft spot for them so uh i just i'm hoping they can build on the the confidence of that game last night and keep the trajectory going forward yeah um i uh i'll just tell the ucf game uh we had the text chain going and couldn't get on the the post game show we we had some technical difficulties uh and we couldn't do it uh but i was i went from dreading like oh crap like, you know, I yeah, have yeah, to, the like, word, yeah, it was like, I don't want to, like, what can you say? Like, you went to, to UCF and you just got boat raced. And then, you know, like the, like the good things were like, well, they were moving the ball. Like, and after the first quarter, they were moving the ball, but they still weren't really scoring. I mean, it's only so, yeah. like, going to the fourth quarter, they still only had one touchdown on the board. Right. You know, and so I was like, well, you know, so this game's going to end 38 to 10 or 41 <laughs> to 10, something like that. Like, you know, maybe they get a touchdown and it's it's thirty eight seventeen. It doesn't look as terrible, but we saw how it happened, and then that comeback happened. And I was like, oh, well, now I actually want to do this. But uh, and then we got to do tech. Then we got to do tech <laughs> last week, and that one was from beginning to end. Just it, mm, and they're hard, like you don't, but you get those moments where it's like, oh, well, hey, now, yeah. oh, well, this this is this is changed and. I'm trying to think of because I haven't been doing post game shows that long because I I was adamantly against it for a while. I you know now the high school we've always yeah did high post game shows and there have been a couple where you went from midway one time was getting just drilled like it, it was just getting drilled by Belton and I was thinking like oh man this is going to be you know because in high school you do have to be a lot nicer yeah. 
because it is high school kids. Yeah. So you can't just be like, well, the left guard sucks. Right. <laughs> he <laughs> he should quit. <laughs> what? <laughs> Go, go to 4-H, <laughs> judge pigs. No, like you, you can't do that. You know, you, you, you know, that, that, that's not what you do. So you have to, so I spent those times in games where teams are getting blown out thinking about, you know, reasonable ways to yeah. say things. I did the high school. I did the first couple of years I was in the business was, was really bad. I mean, they, they won two games in the two years or maybe three games in the two years I, I did the three years I did it. And so they weren't good at all. And so you had to find ways to, you know, be polite about like, here's the issues they're having comparing the other team. Um, but like there was one against Belton where Midway just like roared back. And I remember thinking like, well, this is going to be way easier now yeah. because now I can just say, well, the first half was kind of an anomaly and here they, here they are. So have you, have you had uh, doing play by play or color, and or in person, just as a fan, are there any endings that come close to what we saw last night that that kind of rekindle your memory? Um, Midway and Longview was a that crazy is, that one. was pretty crazy. That was a crazy one. Um, it was for people who don't know. It was a high school. The yeah. Midway the won the game and went to the state championship game. They eventually lost. It was cold and rainy. Craig was. Pissed down on the sideline. <laughs> just every time he came up, he looked like he was gonna like kill a puppy. I mean, just just angry because it was cold and rainy. But it was a great, great, great classic game, uh, and uh, in a playoff game in December, uh, it was at Allen, the big stadium, and that one ended like, kind of yeah, crazy, that was terrible weather. <laughs> yes, yeah, <was> terrible. <laughs> then Allen had or uh, Longview had this great kicker. I, I, he, I don't know where he is now. He went somewhere like, but. He, he, like, missed kicks for the first time that year, and that's how they, they won the game. Uh, College-wise, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, well, I mean, I'll tell you, uh, RG3 to Terrence Williams was like that. Is that the one? That was exactly – that was the – that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen because I was up in the booth, and I'm returning uh, to uh, the person to my left – and as the play was going, I was like, no way. Because you could see it was going to happen. Yeah. Like, you could see what was developing because you were like, no way. Because in that moment, you can't think of how huge this yeah. like play would have to be. It was, well, maybe they can do something. And Bob Stoops made a mistake in that he called timeout because the game was tied. Right. He called timeout to try to get the ball back. And that gave Baylor – Baylor was kind of content at the point to not – to go to overtime. They're set their place. They had Robert Griffin. Mm-hmm. Like, everything was going to be fine. But then it kind of lit a fire under Baylor and said, oh, you're going to call timeout? Like, we were ready to, to just play this a little safe. Yeah. Because you also don't want to commit a turnover at where they were on the field when they called the timeout was right. was behind the thirty, I think, and so when the play happened, I was just no. You know who was you were sitting next to me was Kim Mulkey was sitting next to me, <laughs> and I remember um, I was saying no way, no way. There's not this is not going to happen. And then it happened, and it was. I was the internal PA announcer, so I was announcing the stats. So then I had to gather my like thoughts and go, uh, Robert Griffin III completes a 52-yard pass to Terrence Williams. Just real <laughs> casual. <laughs> Just. With that pass, 
Robert Griffin has 382 yards passing on the day, and that is Williams' third touchdown. Like <laughs> that's just real cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, had, I said it like that, but I had to say it loud, but l- loud because it was. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. People were going nuts. But yeah, I, uh, it was it was crazy. So that one, that's what I can personally compare it to is yeah. RG three to T Will, and that was that was that was the craziest moment I think in college football I've ever been. I don't know. I mean, like I was at wide right three as a fan. Um, you know, I, I've seen, I've seen, I've been lucky enough to see a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one I was in, in presence of that. I, I still, you've heard me bitch about this for years <laughs> is I watched Aaron freaking Rogers throw a ball through a keyhole to Jared cook on the sideline when he was about to get sacked in a playoff game. And Mason Crosby kicked a field goal and beat the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. That one that was, ripped your soul out, didn't it? That, and look, and I'm I'm covering it, so you got to be. But everybody yeah. on this row, we're all like cowboy fans who are covering the team, and you you have objectivity. But uh, I remember just sitting there going, and you have to. The other part of it is you have to go down yeah. into the locker room, <laughs> go ask the question, and ask professional athletes. You know, how do you feel? Like, oh, well, your Christmas just got ruined. Well, I guess probably not Christmas then, but like, yeah, the the day just got ruined. You know, and. What is what is the Cowboys defense say? Because in that moment they did everything right, but actually get to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. They covered it really well. He threw the best pass you're ever going to see thrown ever, and he threw it to. I mean, what do you say? Like, there's nothing you can. What do you say. do? Like, sometimes you're like, well, that guy's really good. Like, <laughs> he does things that normal humans <laughs> don't do. I don't know. And so yeah, that one was that was a. That was something else. I mean, the, the Philly special, I saw that in person. Uh, so that was wild. I mean, that wasn't at the end of the game, but yeah. I remember it was, a, it was the – It was a big play. It was where the game changed. Yeah. It's where you thought, like, oh, Tom Brady's not – like, it doesn't matter when Tom, – Tom Brady could get the ball back 11 times in the next 11 minutes, and they're not winning this game. Right. Like, the Eagles have taken this game. And uh, that that one for sure felt like that, so – yeah, I've seen I've seen a bunch. Uh, I've been I've been lucky. This is a, I mean I don't mean to brag. This is a, this is one of the best jobs you can have. It is. <laughs> I mean, so to to get to see stuff like that. But yeah, um, I was um, I was at a couple A and M games that ended well too. I was also at some that ended really poorly, really horribly. <laughs> I watched I watched Dennis Francione not get fired, but like start the getting fired against Oklahoma because he couldn't do math. What, he, what happened? He, he decided he was down. He was down by ten points with less than five minutes left, and he got the he was against Oklahoma, and he got the ball back twice, and he kicked two field goals. Oh hell no! <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely a fireable offense. And one like one of them was they had fourth and goal at the one, and he decided to kick a field goal, thinking he would get the ball back because he had all three of his timeouts. And Bob Stoops is like, "Thank you, like, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that." Uh, <laughs> sure. And then I just. Like it's one of those things where when you would go in for the performance review, they'd be like, uh, uh, "What is three plus three? Hmm. And he'd be like, "Oh, six. What are the numbers that come after six? Well, that would be seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, stop there, stop there. So you're telling us mm-hmm. that you're aware that ten is more than six. So if you need to get to 10, you're going to need you you can use 3, but then how many do you need to get to 10? Is it still 3? 
No, no, no. Nope, it's nope. it's seven. Okay, that's that's gonna do it for the performance review. We just wanted to see if you could do basic arithmetic. Go get your juice box. Yeah. <laughs> Go get your juice box. And your you animal crackers. No stickers. No stickers. <laughs> you didn't deserve week. a sticker. You didn't need a sticker this week. We'll take a break. We'll come back here. I want to talk about the SEC schedule a little bit more as we go and then like look ahead to some of these games this week. And then we got the top five. This is three sixty five sports. During Ram Power Days at Allen Samuels in Waco, get 2.9% for 72 months on new 2023 1500 Lone Star and Laramie 4x4 crew cabs. Or 11000 off MSRP on Lone Stars and 12500 off MSRP on Laramies. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sikkim Bears. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duball, marketing director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40 pound bundles. They'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners, but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time, what Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Paul Catalina, Garrett Ross here on your Friday. All right, Garrett, um... You know, we made our picks yesterday. Yes. I I mean, look, last week you beat me. I don't know how. I've been god awful. I was dude. one in four last week. And Levi and I have to wear stupid Halloween costumes now. 
Ooh, which, what are you going to be? Which here's what I I only I said we get vetoes. Like we're not going to wear anything we don't want to wear. Okay, but we will take suggestions. It needs to be since we're both doing it. I think it needs to be themed like a couples or something. Yeah, I suggested Batman and Robin, and Pierre said that like Adam West Batman and Robin outfit, which I think would That's be my hel- favorite. That would be hilarious. But open to other suggestions for that punishment, which we will do them all at once. So we're going to do your fruit Ugh. that you have to eat. That is the worst. Like I don't. I really can't describe how nauseating that makes me here's what i'm gonna do for for this one that way you don't have to maybe eat the same thing over and over again you might stumble across something that's not completely unbearable to you so we'll start out with like a grape and you make a pick and then we'll give you like a banana i'll eat a banana uh bananas and apples need to be off the table you shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't have told me that i know but i just (laughs) want to make this fair i i i I owned up to my terrible picks so I want to make this as okay. fair as possible. So like like a grape, and then like maybe like a like a cantaloupe, Ugh. and then uh, like an orange. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, the, yeah, uh, and then we'll see. Like I'll, I, I'm going to throw a weird one in at the end, like a kiwi or a pomegranate or a. Yeah, that don't sound fun at all. Uh, Kiwis are delicious, man. They look had terrible. Some, they, look, here's the deal with fruits and vegetables. Most of the time, you can't completely judge, like especially if they're if there's something not the standard. It, hold on, I want to clear this up. My disdain for fruits and vegetables isn't necessarily it's texture. It's the texture. It's texture. I I battle with textures, and it's terrible. Yeah. Most most I, fruits are god awful when it comes to ter- uh, textures. I um, and this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone looking at this rotund face. I struggle with some vegetables. I do. I I. I'm very happy that I didn't have to eat cauliflower and make picks. Yeah, that but would have been fun to watch. I but here's the thing: I like broccoli. Broccoli, broccoli does not. Um, we don't. It bites doesn't, back. It doesn't share the sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very mad that it entered me, I my bet. body. It's just, it's just, just it, fighting it's to get mad. out. No, I um, and I learned it. I learned it in the worst possible way too. I was on a date and oh. I were like eating like, oh yeah, broccoli on the side and. You know, um, I mean, obviously not the woman I married, but like, I remember like we were at this movie and I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. there's no, like, there's just no way I can stop this. There's no way I can stop this. Like, I'm going to leave the room and like, go hope it clears out. But like, there's no, like, she's going to know. <laughs> Definitely crop dust. Yeah. Just, there's no, no way. <laughs> but yeah. Dust. So no, I, I'm glad, but you know, we're going to do them all at once. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Justin says grape, orange, banana, mango, dragon fruit. But see, I could do a banana. I, uh, grape, okay. orange. Man, I don't know, dude. Like some of those, I'll do it. I I, I owned it. I'll I'll do it. But it's yeah. not going to be pretty. Yeah, Jack. Like, and I might. I we might have to offer uh, a trade out. This week is cold tub. You have to Ooh. make the picks from a cold tub. Uh, so, um. Anyway, uh, if you do, which could be refreshing and good for your muscles, just Wim Hof it, huh? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I did. I, I, you were, were you at the radio station when I did the segment on the pregame show from the cold tub against Kansas State when it was that would have been before me. All right, before you, yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, we did a pregame show and I had a cold tub and I I uh, told the hobby how. Uh, owns the company uh, that makes the cold tub uh, that I would do a segment on the cold tub and I was hoping he would do it. We could line it up for, you know, September. Yeah. 
when, even though it's really cold, at least when I got out, it was 90-plus outside. But it was the last game against Kansas State, and it was freezing outside. They didn't even have to turn the tub on uh, that much. <laughs> and I had to go and do I did the I did the segment in there. And then Smokey just let me go home. <laughs> he just he's, pitied you. He's like, he's like you gotta. He's like, you gotta go home. He's like, I'm, I'm like walking around. I'm still cold. I, um, but I like, I, I was, I was wrapped up. I couldn't, I couldn't get warm again. We saw it two hours before the game started. He goes, just go home. I took four showers. Just trying to warm up. Four, like <laughs> hot water gone in my house. Wait for it to come back up, and then a couple more later on, just sitting there soaking Ooh. in. Uh, okay. Uh, this week, the some of the games we didn't pick, uh, I'm interested in. I uh, I think AM and Tennessee will be interesting yes. to see uh, how AM responds to last week if they if they can go in. Tennessee is very very beatable. It's a tough place to play in Knoxville, uh, but I do think that the way that Joe Milton's been like this, AM could very well go in and win that game. But man, the way that they let that one get away from them last week i i worry that it, if i'm an a&m fan it sticks with them yeah i, I also i mean it's, it's playing bama is difficult and, and a lot of teams th- this is my only concern because i think a&m roster wise has the better roster than tennessee it's difficult to go to rocky top but and I, i've mentioned this before but ev- so many teams play bama or they'll play a georgia or somebody it just the mental drain and the the physical drain from playing that game carries over to the next week, and so many teams stumble. Uh, that would give me pause if I'm a And M about being able to win. But I think I would probably ride with the Aggies, though, dude. Like to bounce back, go in because, like you said, this isn't Tennessee from last year. They are struggling. I don't know that they have anybody that can match um, what a And M has from a talent perspective at skill positions. My just, I'm just not sold on Max Johnson as a quarterback, especially in big games. That's where I'd also be kind of hesitant if I was an A&M fan. Yeah. Uh, we did pick UCLA and Oregon State. I was the only one who picked UCLA. They um, burned me, so I didn't yeah, – yeah. I'm not going back with them. Uh, I just – I don't know. I, I, I haven't picked UCLA in the games. Um, I picked the I've – been, I've been right when we've picked UCLA. Right. So I'm betting that I'll be right again. I feel like I've got a read on them. But – that's when it'll bite you. That is. Yeah. That's when it'll bite you. Um, Iowa, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin uh, is only has the one loss, and it looks like they're starting to maybe put it together a little bit. So let's see. Let's see what happens. Uh, I think – look, Iowa's got a great defense, but I'm curious to see that defense against this Phil Longo offense. Yeah, I don't know if they... And Tanner just, Mordecai is probably going to turn it over. Yeah, t- Tanner's definitely... That defense is going to force Tanner some turnovers. I just don't know if Iowa has the dogs within their secondary um, to match the the playmakers on the outside for Wisconsin in that game. Uh, but I also feel like that's a game where they're going to make it as ugly as possible. Um, I would not be surprised if Iowa beat Wisconsin. Just just given that, that how they operate... The uh, the talent, the skill set they have on their defense, I just that's an ugly matchup waiting to happen. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. We'll take a break when we come back. The top five. This is three sixty five sports. 
Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. In Texas, there's pea-size hail and baseball-size hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft sun, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Next in line. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five wild Big 12 finishes of 2023 already. Uh, Smokey sent a text to me this morning about what we've already seen, and it kind of hit me like we're six weeks into this thing. You know, we're seven weeks now, uh, but six games really for most teams. And for the Big 12, they've had some some crazy stuff happen. Um, In fact, one team is on here twice. Twice. (laughs) Pros and cons. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) and and another team could have been here. Like, there are are a couple of ones I left off. But uh, number five, Kansas State falls to Mizzou on a last-second field goal that was, what, 62 yards, right? From Harrison Mevis, the the thicker kicker. Kicker, kicker. Yeah. So, Kansas State, um, their season got stuck in the mud uh, right on that point where – all of a sudden, they're 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 not winning those close games again. You know, as for last year, they won them, right? Uh, and sometimes they weren't close. They were blowing some people out last year, Oklahoma State and Baylor in particular, uh, that they rolled through. But they they won the close ones. This was not one they won won, but this last second finish um, kind of derailed. I don't say derailed, but um, well, took them off, took them took them down a, a couple speeds for sure. I, I, and it I, wasn't a conference game, but 
They haven't. It played was a as, rivalry game, though. yeah. But they haven't, yeah. But they haven't played as confident as they were since that point. That and also Will Howard getting hurt, yeah. And he has not looked the same. Uh, I think going into this game, I fully expected K State to roll Mizzou. You know, I, but for them, Mizzou to show the, I think that was kind of like their, their breaking point. So they're coming out party. Let everybody know, like, hey, we're for real this year, uh, per se. I think Brady Cook looked really good in that game. Um, what we've seen from their receiving core, Theo East and those guys, uh, Burton. I mean, yeah, I think Kansas State just kind of walked into a buzzsaw, and they're real, they've been reeling ever since. Yeah. Number four, UCF. These are the last two that are in a non-con. 56-yard field goal, Colton Boomer uh, to top Boise State. Then when they needed one, uh, he didn't. He didn't get it 56, and it was longer than that anyway. But um, And we'll talk about that in a second. But this one makes you think, oh, this UCF team's got some moxie. Now, they haven't really played with John Rice Plumley uh, in, in the last few weeks at all. Uh, he came back for a minute and got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timmy McLean fills in ably on offense, but that's not their problem. Their problem is they can't stop the run at all right now and have to get better but this one was the shining moment of their season so far in uh, winning at the blue turf a uh, tough place to play for anybody and colton boomer won that one for them and then we'll stick with ucf as we roll into number three here baylor's wild fourth quarter and come back against ucf which might be their bright shining moment of the season based on how everything else is gone, but uh, I was there for that one, uh, as you all know, and it was it was nuts. I had no faith that it was that Baylor was going to get back in that, but and it was the largest comeback in in Baylor school history. Uh, so that was uh, something else, and we've seen that in it. It right now it just sticks as a moment in time for Baylor because right after that they went and got throttled at home by Texas Tech, uh, and now they're on the bye. But still, if they when they look back on the season, they'll be able to say. They did that. Yeah, and it also is uh, kind of proof that if you actually use Richard Reese, good things might happen. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just won't let that alone. I, I can't yeah. let that be. Yeah, I think he's banged up, though. I don't know. I it's, understand, but it's, there's it's, that's ridiculous. There's some ambiguity there as to, as to what's going on. Number two, last week, OU's Red River comeback. Texas has that game locked. I mean, yep. they, very rarely does Texas kick a field goal and then – you know, give up the the win on the back end. Uh, But that's two out of three years where Texas has had that game in hand and lost it, although Oklahoma led for most of the game this year. But uh, Dylan Gabriel had probably a Heisman moment if he continues on the track. He put OU in the playoff conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I think everybody can know what number one is, but uh, until last night, this one would have been number one. But that one was such a fantastic – it was such a statement game for Oklahoma. And – uh, one of the best football games I've ever seen. And we'd probably still be talking about it uh, and might still, if not for, for last night. But we'll talk about this one for a second, Garrett. Uh, changed. I don't think it, it completely changed Oklahoma season because there was a good chance that that might have been the only one they lost anyway. Right. As good as they are, especially seeing how it, it worked out. But it certainly made you think differently about where, where their season could end. I, I was not real high on Oklahoma. I hadn't, I'd only caught like bits and pieces of them throughout the season until that game. Uh, so for me, it kind of opened my eyes to what, what they are doing and building as a program. Um, I still, I, it would baffle me and I'm not an ex of those guys. I'm not ever going to pretend to be, but that last drive, 
I was baffled how Texas just automatically went prevent and never pressured Dylan Gabriel. Um, I felt like that was a major flaw, and that was something that Phil Bennett addressed when he came on. I was glad he did, man, because I just I feel like Texas defense in that moment blew an opportunity by just getting too conservative and laying back. And anytime you have that offense and those type of playmakers, you can't do that. I don't want to take anything from Oklahoma, but. That was one thing that sticks out is I think Texas kind of mismanaged that last possession and let Oklahoma cook them in the end. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Wyoming over Tech would have been one of them too, uh, how that one ended in overtime. So that's another crazy finish we left out. Uh, but number one, Houston Hail Mary to top West Virginia last night. Just ridiculous. Where West Virginia has a 50-yard touchdown pass to take the lead and you, you think, okay, they got out of that with a scare. You're about to be 5-1. and one. One game away from bowl eligibility. They weren't in a bowl last year. Neil Brown was on the hot seat. I still don't think he's – I think he's removed himself from it. Yeah. I think they'll finish fine. Uh, and this is the nature of the Big 12. But Houston getting their first Big 12 win uh, in 12 seconds. 12 seconds. That's just insane. And even though this didn't happen in the Big 12, it just comes off. Sometimes these things happen like – People see it. You get confidence. You can uh, think of it. It's in your head. I do think that when you see things that have happened in the last few weeks, Miami and Georgia Tech, and you're in that situation, you're like, well, you know, can't hurt to try. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, a, that was a remarkable play. I, I, I don't – just the lead changes, the whole way that came in uh, – gut-wrenching if you're a West Virginia or a West Virginia fan. I know we have a lot of them listening. I really feel for them this morning. I'm pretty sure they didn't. And not being able to burn the couches and everything, that had to be frustrating. But, no, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Great win by Houston and just emotional damage to Dana Holgerson. I I can't imagine what he was going through, just the storylines, that being his old team and everything. Happy for Hogo to get that win. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, thanks to Garrett for producing today. Thanks to uh, all of our guests, Kevin Eschenfelder, Sam Bradshaw, Grayson Grudhafer, Jamie, who I'm leaving out. I'm leaving somebody out. Oh, Damn. Josh Neighbors. Josh, yeah. Josh Neighbors. So all of our guests, everybody who participated in the chat today, have a great football weekend, everybody. We don't have a pregame show because there's no game tomorrow. So enjoy it. We'll talk to you later. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or